can create some sticky situations. So, um, so how long does COVID live on porcelain? Uh, I don't think they tested porcelain. Ceramics is five days, so I have to assume porcelain is the same. Well, I feel like that's. I feel like that should be. That should have been tested first. I feel. Yeah, like, um, yeah, there was like a lot of initial tests, and like a lot of initial tests really early where they tested it, where it's like metal five days, wood about four, plastic two to three, steel two to three, cardboard twenty four. Um, aluminum's only like a couple hours, and that's why there was a huge run on. Um, uh, there was a huge run on um, like aluminum cans early on. Um, I think they finally figured out skin is like nine hours, but they tested it on cadaver corpses. So, like you know, people who gave their bodies up to science. So that's not a hundred percent accurate of right. like what it would really be like. Right. And all of this is, and even the studies themselves qualified. Like, look, these are lab situations. These are not real life scenarios where you have to factor in climate and sunlight and, and temperature fluctuations. And... Yeah, general general cleanliness. And this is like. This is lit this is like what we're doing is literally equivalent of sneezing directly onto an object and letting it sit there. Whereas like, you know, if someone sneezes in a room, like it will be spread out and like, you know, they, 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 like COVID can still be on something, but it isn't enough COVID for you to get COVID. Yeah. Like there the cult you know, like there has to be a certain amount of the virus on an object, as with any disease, for it to be contagious. So you're it's saying like, it's you know, safe they, to use the bathroom after someone could use the bathroom? Theor honestly, theoretically. I mean, are, uh, it's I mean just, are you holding it for eight hours after someone uses the bathroom? No. Well, I have a bathroom down here, so I don't really oh, have that well, some of us situation, aren't as, Some of us aren't as privileged, so. Yeah. Are you, um, are you quarantining yeah, is, in, your, in like your basement? I mean, honestly, kind of, yeah. Because Not necessarily just because quarantining, but like quarantining. Fairly, like, I'll come upstairs to have dinner, I'll just wait for everyone else to eat, and then I'll eat really quick. Like, you know, I'll, there'll be times when I'm, like, in the same room as them, but, like, I try to keep it to a minimum, because my mom works at, you know, the school and mm -hmm. a mall, which are two bad bread oh, no-no zones, yeah, you don't, you don't and my sister worked at a gym, um, but now she's off to college again. Oh, yeah, um, because she's determined to play another lacrosse season come hell or high water. Hey, power um, to her. Yeah, I'm like, just try to get the vaccine as quickly as possible. If you can use your hearing aids as a means, then, you know, do it. Um, you like, use hearing a, aids to, to get... Probably not, just because they're like, that's not connected to your circulatory system. But I'm like, well, it's a disability. So you could probably try to argue. I mean, hell, they moved smokers up to phase 1A... And I did wonder, like that makes me mad um, because why should a smoker? Like, should I? Like, should I? Could, yeah. Could I, could I, I couldn't I lie? Yeah, it's mostly red. Honestly, I've been weighing like, is is it stolen valor? Like, because I would never. I've had some opportunities to fake being a medical professional. Like, that's, there are certain places that good. won't. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't do that. That's stolen valor. That is, like, morally, morally abhorrent. I can't do that. That's, like, I will never regain my honor from sure. that. And I but you also want wouldn't to... get COVID because then you'd be vaccinated, so. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. That, like, that feels like a samurai level. Like, you have to stab yourself with a sword as penance for the, like, for lying. Does it, um, does it, how do you think that relates to the guy running on the field to win the, to win the bet? Well, that's just, that's just some, 
Well, that's just some black sock shit. That's I think cheating. that's big. I think that's big. It's brand cheating. Move. It's not it's cheating. cheating. You're betting it's on yourself. Cheating. It's Pete Rose. You Let him in the Hall of Fame. No, well, I'm fine with that because again, hitting a baseball is very hard. Like Pete Rose gambled on himself, but at the same time, he also is one of the greatest hitters of all time. So there's like, well, it's like, oh, okay, obviously he wasn't betting on himself losing, but like this is you can't no. It's like an evil genius thing. Like you can't award that. Like, we don't go like, well, Lex Luthor, you destroyed a dam and flooded an entire area, so your real estate you have there would become beach property. But gosh darn, that was clever, so I guess we have to let you go. Like, no, 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 no. no. I want to see the clause that says he can't have the money. I, I think he earned it. I think he out-schemed. I think he, I think he outwit, outlasted, outplayed Survivor. Well, I think the clause, like, I think if they legally challenge it, they'll be like, okay, there's no clause here, but we, but D- that will never be. A, we that feel like a there's a gentleman's again. agreement. That will never yeah, be a no. prop bet again. No, Just ruin that for well, everybody. But I respect it. And also, yeah, honestly, but uh, so, what about people who bet on it that were not related? Now, do they are they going to be? Did they win? I guess. I mean, prop betting has gotten out of hand. Like, even before, like, when we get to how long is the uh, land of the free, like, when we get to that, or, like, what song is going to open the Super Bowl halftime show, like, we've gotten out of hand. Things are off the rails. You're right. Like, we are a nation, like, we should not be endorsing this level of gambling addiction. Like, that's the point when you go, okay, maybe I am addicted to gambling. I like how this has all been, like, pre-episode audio test i feel like this is good content we should probably i think like we should just roll right into it oh yeah honestly i was like if you have a patreon or like uh behind the scenes this is all this is all solid gold i mean i was like should we just like do an opening right now and just go right into it or should we just like do a fresh one oh. then well yeah yeah if you want to do like a fresh opening and then you can figure out where to put this whatever whatever you're vibing with i mean, this I mean could, it's your show this could be i mean this could be i didn't listen to the other audio i don't know if our audio levels are great I didn't go back and test it, but we could just—I could just do an open thing. This could just be the show. Oh hell yeah! This is it. Should I do a little intro? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that. This is Harper on the podcast. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these. Uh, life gets in the way, you know how it goes. But yeah. I have my energy drink that I won't say the name of because they don't pay me, and I have my guest Carter, and we're rolling. Hello. Howdy, howdy, howdy. So, um, I take great pride in dragging nine minutes worth of audio out before you could even introduce the show. To be fair, I I have it at seven minutes on my end. So, Oh, okay. But well, we'll workshop think, it. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. I also yeah. respect uh, the uh, a guest that is recording on their own end. Yeah. Just well, in, <laughs> just again, case, I work, we'll just I work in an audio medium. Just I have to be a little professional. Uh, well... I mean, I'm not, and this is it's my show, and I'm like the least professional of of the two of us. I'm now the least professional. Yeah, but so. as the host of the show, you can you can spin that as like, oh, I'm so cool, I don't even try, and I'd spin gold. Yeah, like get um, on my level. Everything I do is perfect. Yeah, I just you know all I do is win. Um, like I don't even need to try. Yeah, so um, the shrieker should get paid. Is is, is I, basically. Oh 
No, no, no. I, I can't. No, because again, this is how we get supervillains. If we let, <laughs> like, if we let this slide, we're gonna have all these Lex Luthers doing crazy evil stuff like this and getting paid for it. Like, we can't. We have to draw the line somewhere. And this is a line you can't. You, I don't. It's. I almost like. I just feel like it's so obvious he shouldn't get the money that I can't even fully articulate I, why I feel that way. I, I I might be an enabler and I might be on the wrong side of history here, but I think he should get the money. And okay, so it's, oh, so over so before we even go in, because this is now the episode and this is how the intro. Uh, for people who are listening and don't know what's going on, the Super Bowl was this past weekend, and there yeah, it was, was a Super Bowl, right? It, well. And it actually, I thought the game sucked personally, but yeah, it it was miserable. Um, but I it, won't spoil the store the score for anyone. I know people record it and watch it years later, but yeah, uh, there I'll no just story. say, I'll just say, it was worse for me. It was the worst Super Bowl we've ever lived through, um, because at least with the Broncos Seahawks one, there was a Schadenfreude of like, wow, their defense really is that good. And with that Rams Patriots one, it's like, man, if Jared Goff was even mediocre and not bad, they could they could do this. This might be okay. Yeah, this was just miserable the whole time. There, so there was a a, a prop prop betting uh, has 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 evolved into this crazy thing. But there was one that uh, someone bet you could bet on if it was going to be a streaker or not, or an, a field invader or whatever. And this man bet that there was going to be. And then took matters into his own hands and stormed the field himself, and won like yes. like what like three hundred and thirty some thousand, yeah, three hundred like forty some thousand, three hundred seventy five k or something along those lines. I, don't know. I um, didn't know we were going to talk about this. But I didn't pull up any information on it. So weird. Yeah, um, but there there's an extra wrinkle. It's not just that he made this bet knowing that he would get to go to the Super Bowl and could enact it. He also had his friend with him there, and he got convinced his friend to hop the fence first. So a security, imme- you know, they see this guy, they're like, "Oh no!" They rush over and they're like, "Dude, you gotta get back up there! Like, uh, you, we're gonna arrest you." Yeah, the, the, that the, gives the this guy creating an a diversion. Yeah, he threw he threw a smoke screen down so he could charge the field him it's to true, make sure he got on the field. Fashion, threw a smoke yeah. screen down. He sacrificed his friend to guarantee that there was no way he couldn't make it to the field, because then by the time they all whipped around, they realized he was already on the field. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, he was on TV. You could see him at the fifty-yard line or whatever. Like he, he got there. Yeah, like we saw him. You know, they cut away, but we all we all we saw, all we saw, all saw the, the pink Borat jumps. Oh yeah, swimsuity thing. Oh yeah, whatever yeah, you'd much, call one of those. Much grace involved. Yes. Uh, so now there's a controversy that they're saying he can't get his money. He can't get his winnings because you can't uh, – some mystery clause they're claiming that you can't do that. And I, ju- I just feel like it's elemental. Like I feel like it's just a gentleman's agreement that you're not going to manipulate the game in some way to get your bet to come true. See, I, like, I just respect like, okay. it so much for some okay. reason. I, I see mean, what's I'm, wrong with it. I see what's wrong with it. Like, I just it, respect I, it, it so much. It's only a step below betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sneaking in, you know, if you're someone who's who can get into the Chiefs locker room, betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then I Tanyaing, you know, Patrick Mahomes with like a baseball bat. Like 
It's, it's not, not that extreme, it is, it is not, but it's still it is, in the same. It is not on the body. same plane as assaulting Patrick Mahomes before the game. It's, but it's the it's the same principle of like I have a unique situation where I can cause something to happen that can he, win me a bet. He was be he was Robin Hood. Everyone who better. No, him. don't throw the freaking. And he was the good Robin Hood, not the bad Robin Hood. That's the app. That's like, that's like fucking with the market. Yeah, the the Robin Hood that might accidentally implode capitalism, but um, it's no, he's not though because like. <laughs> You know, I just again maybe it's also just because like you know I've seen uncut gems. I know what gambling. You know I've seen how oh, gambling what a movie. addictions. Yeah, I so chaotic. Oh, what a movie. Yeah, it's um I won't say any more other than you really ought to watch it um because I don't want to spoil it. But that movie really dives into what gambling addiction is, and this is he's enabling more gambling addiction because if you won a lot of money on the streaker thing, you're gonna be like I'm a god, I'm invincible. I'm going to keep gambling because it never ends. It doesn't end with the streaker. Then you start gambling on the color of the Kool Aid and like which and, and, people and, and, did. So you're like targeting yes. people. Like it's just active people. They were like, yeah, it was blue by the way. Spoiler on that, it was blue. There was a fight about this too. Like people were like, no, it's clear, and they're like, no, it's obviously blue. It was and so I'm obviously like, blue. I'm like, I I didn't even see it because I turned the game off because I was just done. I was like, I can't. I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm like not having fun, but it was I just, yeah. I didn't and on again, that. when we get to this point, I'm like, guys, is gambling addiction in America getting a little out of hand? Cause this is, to be fair, is, every, every ad you see does prompt you to call 1-800-GAMBLER. So I just, you know, which I just, which more feels like a flex where it's like, yeah, we know our product can kill you, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna like acknowledge that, and in we're gonna the and we're gonna wash our hands of responsibility by yeah. typing out the words one eight hundred gambler. Yeah, it, it 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 like it feels so simple. Is there uh, did a rocket ship just take off behind you? Was a bomb no, just activated the... behind you? Should I need to be concerned? No, that is the that is the heater in my house. In... Uh, hold on, give me is... two seconds. I thought it was like a. Like a post-apocalyptic or like an apocalypse siren happening. So Carter, you're back from hello from saving your house from exploding. Yes. Um, um, if, well, if, not really. If, okay. Well, it's uh, if people hear a hear a hear a hum in the back, um, just like hang tight and listen to the end to see if there's an explosion. Um, yeah. So that's probably like good that that we cut that off because we were getting really heated about a streaker. We won't go back to that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, but, I, you couldn't see it because we're talking over the phone as opposed to um, video. But I had a gun pointed to the screen the whole time, <laughs> and I like that. I was pressing it as hard into the camera as I could, I and it just that. was not swaying you whatsoever. I I I, fe- I I felt like I felt the hostility, but I, in that moment I felt bulletproof. So even you sh- like if you shot me through the camera, like I feel like it w- I would have been fine. Like I was feeling bulletproof. I was a keyboard yeah. warrior. Yeah, I mean. The bravest thing you can be. Really, honestly. Um, but you are Carter Glace, longtime friend. Uh, Hello. Very interesting person. Very interesting career path. You went to NYU for film studies, right? Yes. Uh, I spent four years at New York University um, studying film and television. Wow. And here we are. And, he- and, he- and here's how far that got you, is that you're now on an episode of Harbor in the podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, this, the American people demanded this it. Is what, this hearing. is what your degree got you towards, this moment yeah. right here. Well, this was all that it was building up to. Like, I don't, like, actually making movies? No, I don't. No, we're both, we're no, both. I don't watch movies. What we're do both I, what peaking do I like? right now. We're both peaking right yeah. now. Once, we, once yeah, this, this wraps what, up, this is it. Yeah, I, like, I I know that this is just the roller coaster, and I'm about to, it's Final Destination 3, and the roller coaster is about to go off the rails and kill me in some comically horrible way after this. Um, yeah, no, then, this was, yeah. this is everything my career's been building up to. Um, well, we will get into your film and your uh, and your jobs, your, your summer jobs, of very, your very specific summer job. Uh, is that even what it is, a summer job? Uh, yeah, I guess technically. I mean, I don't it's really seasonal. do that much work outside of season, the season. There you go. Um, but first, as always, on Harper and the Podcast, we like to dig deep. And we like yeah. to go right at the heartstrings. And you have a very interesting love life as well. You're like this anomaly in our friend group, I think. Yeah, it's really um, exciting to hear when you have to report an update on your life. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think basically every single damn time we all go to like a bar or something together, you know, back in the ancient yeah, re- times yeah, remember of those? like 2015. In the, in, the, in the before times. You know, before we all turned 175. Of course. Um, like, yeah, someone would be like, Carter, you seem to have a lot of luck with the ladies. And I'm like, I don't know if that's it. It's more just... I mean, it's, as our Lord and Savior Taylor Swift said, I go on a lot of dates and I can't make them stay. And I think that's more of an accurate description of what happens. I I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'll give it to you, whether it's false or not, but you have quite the confidence. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I think at some point I discovered that uh, women find me inexplicably likable, and I decided to just... Uh, roll with that and go. commit. Take what you can get. Uh, they, yeah. they don't find that from. I mean, they like me as friends, and then they're like, "Well, that's enough of that." Let's... Yeah, I mean, that's usually what ends. <laughs> I mean, that's how I get there. I just have a few extra steps, like I get to go in like a nice pasta date or something before you know. You I get one extra. It's like a Mario. Like I get some bonus stages in you like bonus the Mario levels. world. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like I get to see the like secret uh, special levels in the Mario yeah. game. You just like go down all the it. right pipes and. <laughs> ah? Well, that's a little graphic, but <laughs> I mean that's that's vaguely cancelable. It's because okay. there's it's because there's pipes in the Mario games, and you go down the green pipes, and you're at some bonus underground level, Carter. Jeez. Oh. What, what were you What were you talking about? What were you thinking? You go to jail. That's weird. What were you thinking? That's weird. Just, just. No, no. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I, like, I don't know. I've had post-high school, like, college and post-college life, I would describe it as a pretty chaotic uh, romantic life. That's good. Uh, we like that here. I've, yeah, I've had some highs and lows. Um, I had, I guess, like, my heartburn story is I had a particularly big X, like, oh, um, I might move in with this person I might, they might be the one, hmm. and, um, you know, post-college, I was, it was a lot of, like, post-college was interesting for me, like, well, immediate post-college, obviously now everyone's life is interesting in the worst way imaginable. Of course, but, of course. 
you know, post, like right post college, I was like jumping from short term job to short term job with not a lot of stability. Um, like my germophobia started to sort of spike and, you know, it sort of blew up and they decided to break up with me and, you know, it was a, it was a tough go of it for a while. It was, you know, I like, it got to the point where, it, like, I guess I'm trying to think of how to describe this in the most diplomatic way imaginable. But I mean, I think, you can just you could just lay it all out here. Yeah, like I don't know. I guess. I mean, will I they listen decided, to this? Are you shielding anybody? Are they going to listen to this? Like, probably not. Yeah. So you say, but fine. like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's shielding because, like, I don't know. I still think they're pretty great, and I. With time, I've realized that a lot of it was my fault, um, if not most of it. So, so um, what happened then? What, what's the story? Yeah. So basically, there was like a couple months where it was just really tense. Like my germophobia was sort of spiking, and just which, like, I can speak as living as someone with germophobia, it is very tough. Like thinking of all of like the extra steps you have to do to feel comfortable. Yes, and even even now, I feel like every day is just like taxing. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 heck, man. It's straight yeah. heck. I don't want to swear on your radio show, but it's, okay. it's I think straight I fucking said heck. Fuck earlier, so yeah, and I've said it a bunch. Yeah, but, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I can only imagine what that would be like living with someone with germophobia. And yeah, I just kept running into these walls where I was just really down on myself and down on just the world in general. And I made the mistake of putting way too much of that onto my partner at the time. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they just decided they had had enough. It, the breakup at first was amicable in the sense of like, they're like, all right, you just need to take some time to figure yourself out and like, you know, sort of stabilize everything. And then we can maybe get back together. But then it became more of a permanent thing afterwards. Um, and yeah, that was tough for a while. And but at the same time, I think, you know, I I'm you know I'm a relatively religious person, and I like to, you know, I think a lot about like, oh well, every experience is about God teaching you something, or the powers to be teaching you something. And I think, as much as it sucks that that relationship didn't work out, that I didn't. Um, you know, that the life we were kind of envisioning for ourselves didn't really pan out. At the same time, it was still a really helpful learning experience in a lot of That's, ways. I mean, I always like, like to say everything in life is nothing if not the very least uh, a learning experience. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You have to learn something right. from every journey you go on or else what was the point of going it's on there, a journey? I, I, most of them I feel like are supposed to, like, hurt. I feel like a lot of them are supposed yeah. to be bad. I feel like yeah. it's, not, it's not a normal life to never experience, like, pain in any way. That's, like, not a yeah. good life. And yeah, I and like I think that wouldn't just... make you a great person to never feel yeah. pain. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I just really learned from this experience a lot of, like, you, like, you can't, like, I think the biggest thing I learned was just, like, you know, in a relationship, well, one, you definitely need to, not be afraid to speak up when you're upset about something. You need to, like, because otherwise all that stuff is going to build up and it's just going to turn toxic. Like, I feel like I kept a lot to myself and then it just devolved into, like, one three-month span of just pure toxicity. And that was just terrible. And well, I also I, just learned, like... Oh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just, how long were you with this person? 
uh, almost two years. Hmm. Probably a little under two if I sat back and did the math. I guess it depends. What in the hell is... Because our first date was the Feast of San Gennaro. Um, I, I don't I'm literally know looking it up. I don't know what that means. Uh, the feast... supposed to mean something to me? Am I uncultured? Uh, the, the Feast of San Gennaro is an event that happens in New York City. It's um, it's uh, it's based on a saint. Uh, and I'm trying to remember why he is a saint. I know one thing is a vial of his blood was preserved, and it hasn't, like, it never um, dried yeah, it's um, it's a festival for San Gennaris. Um, so they have um, someone's liquid blood. That's like an ancient person. Yes. Huh. Well, that's what they say. I've never seen the blood, so I can't yeah. attest to that. It's actually just but, like tomato yeah. juice or something. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, it, it's somewhere in the Vatican, most likely. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's like a celebration in. Um, yeah, it's so yeah. Uh, the feast day is September nineteenth, and it's like a whole week where Little Italy is just rocking um it's really cool lots of great food just booth after booth of like the best stuff uh they bring in a ferris wheel in the middle of i don't know if you've ever seen a a, a ferris wheel ferris wheel in the <laughs> middle of a street like a city street with like brownstone blocky buildings i have not that uh, sounds beautiful so I've it's a hell of a ferris site. wheels in the middle beautiful. of boardwalks imagine that but like if they put it in the middle of manhattan is there that must be like clogging up. That must make the traffic even worse. And oh yeah, no, that uh, little Italy becomes impossible, impenetrable. You yeah. should just not drive a car for that entire period of um, of <laughs> of, uh, of New York time. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, we were dating for about two years, and also I just learned. I guess the uh, get, getting back to the point, like I also just learned a lot about like you. I don't know. You have to. I realized I was just. For some reason, I decided it was okay to be negative all the time with this person. And that's huh. just not something you can that's do. That's a like, bold strategy. Yeah, like I just – I guess I was leaning too – I guess in my head it made sense because I'm like, well, they care about me, so they'll try to cheer me up. That's like, well, no, that's not what they're necessarily here for. Right. Like they're not just yeah. your – like they're not just your dump truck for you to dump all of your negativity on. And even looking back at it, I'm like, why was I so negative then? Like, I was actually having a pretty good time of it for those last couple months. Yeah. So, like, you know, I was complaining all the time about my summer job and, like, this and that. And I'm like, why was I complaining? Why did I only focus on the negatives with her? Um, And I guess it's just tough because it's like, you know, like I said, this person, like, I was pretty sure I was going to spend the rest of my life with them. Right. Like, we were both pretty vocal about that being our interest. And to have that kind of cut out from you is really hard to grapple with because you're like, oh, the road in front of me is literally gone. Right. Like, this path that I was completely committed to. Um, just got a giant Ferris wheel in the way. Yeah. There's a giant Ferris wheel in the middle of the damn street. Now I can't go. You can't go anywhere. Now I, yeah. Now the entire south half of Manhattan is just complete gridlock. Right. And it didn't help that all of this time that should have been used for introspection and figuring out, like, oh, you know, how do I move on from this? How do I learn from this? How do I grow from this? Was spent, you know, within, like, you know, the breakup was in last October, and then I spent, or I guess two Octobers. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the problem, because then in January it's like, 
oh, the world is getting sent into a once-in-a-century uh, pandemic, uh, right. you know. And which then there's for people who don't believe it. So though, those people were living in bliss for an extra couple of months. So that was kind of nice. Oh, yeah. I was re yeah, but, like, you know, as a, as someone who's just generally anxious and keeps on, reads a lot, I was like, oh, man, this thing in China, man, uh, if it gets here, we're so screwed. And like, you it's knew so the bad. Florida man wasn't going to help. Yeah, and, like, Florida man was just going yeah. to, like, go outside with an American flag and just, like, headbang until it went away. Right, just shoot um, at Which it. is the exact opposite. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing in this right. situation. There yeah, be no headbanging so, like, right now. Yeah. Does that spread? Yeah, I guess. I mean, talking spreads it. So, like, yeah. But yeah, sit then perfectly still in their rooms and focus on what they have to do. Yeah, it just, you know, it was it was a tough go of it for a while. I'm not like I can't. I I don't think it helps to sugarcoat that. But like, yeah, and you guys got a lot of the brunt of it. Where it's just like, oh, you know, she would have liked this, or you know, I was we thinking about this the other day. We did get a lot. A of lot. That. A little too much, probably. I mean, I, I yeah, I let it, I let it happen. Uh, well, you know, and yeah, then... some people. Callum didn't take it as lightly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Callum, everyone, you Callum should know got, Callum. Uh, Callum, Callum got like, genuinely annoyed. Callum was like, "You need to shut up." Like. Yeah, like he got genuinely annoyed with it, and that, and as you guys know, like I'm, I love I'm a good kidding. bit. I'm Callum didn't it, say shut up. Yeah, but he he implied it, and. <laughs> It was it was just funny because it's like then I think a part of me kept going with it because as a lover of any good bit, the fact that it annoyed him so much just made it oh, more entertaining I, for me. I am known to carry out a good bit. Yeah, so that only made it worse. Um, but yeah, it's you know, and like I'd never, I'd never really been the one to get broken up with before. Usually, wow. I was the one who broke nice, up man, where it just feel. ended quietly. That must All be right. Nice. You know, I'm like, not usually one to feel pain, but yeah, like so. It was also just that added thing of like, well, do I do? Can I still talk to her family because they're cool? No, like, don't do that. Our mutual friends. Yeah, no, I haven't don't done do that, that. Fortunately, um, yeah, like you know, we had all these mutual friends, all of these different pieces of the puzzle. Like, it was a lot of emotional yeah. development that I should have been doing in like high school, having to do it yeah. as a twenty-something-year-old. And, and it was yeah, hard it was on the tough. friends too because we all were like, "Well, we have to pick a side, even though we only ever met him once." And, yeah, and, and I was surprised. You know, it was a tough call. A lot of I'll you, be honest. This, yeah, I'm still, yeah. I'm still undecided. A lot of you went with her. Like, yeah. people haven't returned my calls, and like, I was at first, I was offended, but I was like, "Ah, eh, she is kind of cool." I, I mean, I get it. I met her, I met her once in someone's basement, but yeah, it was fine. Yeah, and. Yeah, well, it's God, it's actually funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about her the other day in the context because I was looking at Chicky and Pizza's menu for some reason, which um, for people who don't know is like a Philadelphia um, sort of like restaurant. Yeah, also it's not like a, a sponsor, bar thing. So. Yeah, um, they should though. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, she would have liked that place. And now that I'm like almost two years out from it, like it's like it's nice to be able to take a breath and finally be like okay i feel like i've learned things from this i feel like i've grown from this i feel like i've learned things for the next whenever i go on a date again um do in you, do you care to go into any detail of the relationship or what went happen or oh, what happened yeah or yeah i can i can dive into it a little more oh, I mean, whatever um, you want yeah um honestly it was 
like, it started as a super casual thing. Apparently, we had met each other a couple times before, but because I have a terrible memory brought on from severe lacrosse, well, like, I've never been able to confirm that, but I've definitely had multiple concussions brought on by lacrosse, and I like to think that's as good an explanation for any for why my memory is bad. Um, but, yeah, apparently we met each other freshman year and sophomore year, where I was like, oh, nice to meet you. And then... Finally, we went on a date. It was senior year, uh, right around the time I was starting to work on my senior thesis. So it was interesting, this, like, flurry of emotions of, like, you know, I'm making this film that I feel like is going to be my, like, you know, thesis statement, my, like, you know, everything I've learned from NYU, um, and really getting to know this person who, like, pretty quickly, like, we were like, let's not, you know, jump, let's not jump into anything too fast. Let's be cool. Like, but then pretty immediately, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, gr uh, gal. Um, I'm, I'm falling pretty hard. And she's like, yeah, me too. Oh, that's nice. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it just, for some reason, we just, like, we've realized pretty quickly we harmonized in a lot of really um, fascinating ways. We both love to write. We both love poetry. Um, you know, we had weirdly similar backgrounds in a lot of sense in terms of, like, you know, the chips on our shoulder growing up and, like, our ambitions for what we wanted to make our worlds. Um, she was a teacher, um, which I just found, like, endlessly um, inspiring. Um, like, and, like, in terms of relationship stuff, I always look for someone who can kind of contrast me in the sense of, like, I really appreciate when someone can kind of dress me down a little bit. So, like, when I'm doing my bits or I'm being, like, you know, oh, you know me. You know, when uh, when I'm being top-tier Carter. I do. I do someone know you. Someone who can kind of dress me down and be, like, okay, let's pump let's, the brakes a little yeah, bit not, here. Let's, let's take you down a peg. Yeah. Someone who can kind of take me down a peg but also sort of enables my, like, best traits. And, yeah, it pretty pretty quickly became a pretty steady, pretty endearing relationship. Like, I, I, God, did I meet, I met her parents at New Year's, which we'd only been dating for like four months. Um, you know, she met my family. Um, we basically, we were with each other all the time senior year, just like anytime we could like take a break from classes to hang out. And then when she got a job right out of college teaching, I would crash at her place a lot um, and sort of just be like, you know, just sort of her lived-in boyfriend. Um, like, I would house-sit for her sometimes. Um, kind of think of some interesting stuff. But, like, yeah, I don't know. We just, like, it was just so fascinating to, like, it simultaneously felt like a really slow, steady relationship, but also it all happened so fast, it's almost hard to articulate all of it. But, um, like, yeah, and, like, we both just, I think we both, what really was great about her was, we really, she had an incredible, she shared my same sense of, like, loving the place we were living. Like, you know, we were in New York at the time, and, like, both of us were just like, we need to get the most out of the city we possibly can. Is there some kind of event happening? Wow. We need to go see it. There's uh, a movie wanna, for you. Yeah, want to wake up at 4 a.m. to watch the sunrise on Coney Island and no. then go to an IHOP I, in Coney Island? I don't want to do absolutely. that. Absolutely. No, absolutely not. I don't want to do that at all. Honestly, I, I'm going to be honest. It seemed like a great idea going to bed. Waking up at four, I had some doubts. 
but it was pretty majestic when we woke up. I think there have been and, times in my life when there was going to be like a really cool sunrise or like a really cool thing happening at like 4 or 5 a.m. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to do that. And then my alarm goes off and I'm like, what the fuck do I care about a sunrise? It's going to come back tomorrow. You've seen one, you've seen them all. And I'm going back over. And then I wake up and yeah. like, how, how was it? Was it cool? Yeah. No, and like I think both of us – both of us shared that same stubbornness where we're like, I know we're tired and I, we know this sucks, but like, God damn it, we're going to do it because it'll be a beautiful memory. Um, like, uh, you know, we shared that sense. She was um, an incredible cook, which as someone who loves to cook was also great. And like, she had an incredible knack for like pairing drinks and food. And I still think there was an incredible meal we had just before we checked out this Harry Potter exhibit at the Museum of Natural History that was like, apple butter brie cheese, a huge baguette, and this, like, bubbly sort of uh, champagne. Oh, classic. Yeah, I don't know. It was just... So then what happened? This is the first time I've really talked about it. Yeah, and then... Um, like, what, what she, is, like, it all sounds... It all sounds lovely. So what So 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 what, 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 what goes on? Yeah, I guess, like, I kind of talked around it a little bit, but it was... I think the biggest problem it came down to was just... She was growing up faster than me, I guess. Um, like, as someone who really loved their college experience, transitioning into the career world was a little slower than I would have liked. Like, I was getting work, but it was never steady enough to be like, oh, I can afford an apartment now. Or yeah. like, oh, I can, you know, you know, I can pay all the bills I need to right. on time. Whereas she was already... Um, she's already like, making a dent. Into, yeah, she's already working at a school. She's yeah. already, like, established there. And... Yeah, that I have to imagine that was really hard for her because it's like, yeah. hey, I have all of these visions for what our future is going to be, but if you're, you know, stuck at this one point, it's going to be hard to do that. And then, you know, for me, it just like as that lifestyle of mine kept going on and on, it just started to get make me more and more toxic because I was just like, I just like. I kind of lost sight of me in favor of just getting a job because in my brain I just kept being like, all that matters is getting a job. If I just get a job, then like then we can then go back to normal. Yeah, then I'm in. Then I can get an apartment. Then my life can go back to normal, and like everything will be fixed. And the problem is, like, I got so into that mindset, I just really lost sight of my like, who is Carter mm -hmm. beyond you know? Because like a job is good, but it's not a personality. And yeah. importantly, it doesn't magically solve all of your problems. Yeah. It just – and while it would have helped to have a job – well, I guess I should qualify. To have a nine-to-five-ish job I was going to say, you're, you, the jobs you were looking for were not those kind of jobs. You, yeah. You were looking to get into the industry, as they say. Yeah. Like you I was looking writing, for a steadier paycheck were, or a bigger paycheck. Yeah. yeah. You were, were, you, were you acting? Are you acting? Uh, a little bit. I mean – like, the biggest hurdle for me came, I got a really promising opportunity with Nickelodeon, and then I, I ended up in the final three, and then I didn't get it, and what that, that really became, um, I mean, I guess I can say it, I never really signed it as clear. Oh, is this, um, is this it, not allowed? <laughs> no, no, are the What are they going to do? I don't what know. What are they going to do? Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, I was going to work as a production assistant on this show called Gabby's Dollhouse, which is like an animation live-action hybrid. It's it's kind of a Blue's Cluesy. It was well, it's developed by the creators of Blue's Clues. I was going to be uh, the assistant to the two creators of the show, and that was going to be my first like big step out of college. That would have been your foot in the door. 
Yeah, and I got into the final three, and then they decided to go in a different direction. Damn, um, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. That sucks. No, it's okay. I mean, they offered me a job in California, but then I was like, Wow, oh, don't let no. Joe hear that. Yeah, well, Glendale, California, it would have been a different area. Well, that's um, yeah, and like for those of I, you who don't know, Joe is our friend who moved to California. We miss you, Joe. Yeah, freaking turncoat, West Coast. Um, anyway, I decided not to take it because I was like, eh, I'd really like to live in New York City, and you know, like I want to stay. I don't want to leave. Uh-oh. Can you edit that out? Uh oh, yes. Beep yeah. that out, Dan. You. Dan, you know what to do. Sorry, Dan. You know what to Sorry, do, Dan. It's listen. Not the first time. Not the last time. But yeah, and it just. Like, I was like, I don't want to leave her. And she even was like, it might be okay to do that just because, like, if it helps you short term, then, yeah. Well, and, but the problem was also like, well, okay, but how do I afford an apartment there? I was just caught in this never-ending loop of, like, there's big opportunities, but I can't afford those big opportunities because I need a big opportunity to afford the big opportunities. And I just got stuck. I almost want to describe it as, like, the New York Knicks, where, like, the New York Knicks just kept trying to get a big free agent. They're like, "We're gonna get, we're gonna get Kevin Durant. Everything's gonna be. I know we've been bad for a while, but we're gonna get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. It's gonna be fine." And then they don't get him right. or either of those guys. Right. And then they're like, "Okay, we just need to get Zion, and that will like bring Showtime back. Everything will be fine." And then they don't get that. And now they're finally good because they're like, "All right, let's just build. Let's like take yeah. the necessary steps to get up to premier franchise that stars want to go to." And I was just stuck where I'm like, I don't have enough of these steps in place, but I need to make that jump to catch up with her. Mm-hmm. And it just never happened. And I sort of let myself get more toxic than I'd like to, um, you know, than I was willing to admit at the time. And then finally she's just like, hey, like you, you, you know, I just, like I'm not really happy right now. I think you're you know, in a rough place mentally, and I think you just need to take some time by yourself to figure out, like, where you want to be, what you need to do, and hopefully someday we can come back together. And then, you know, that happened two Octobers ago. Um, There was a couple months where I'm like, oh, this is just a temporary thing. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I do think there was a level of arrogance on my part with that that sort of only widened the gap between us and post-pandemic, it's like, yeah, I kind of had to come into terms with we're not getting back together. And that's, well, I mean, it's not okay, but it is okay. It's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you did almost have a nice little rebound New Year's Eve. But oh, God. Yeah. Did you not well, want to bring that up? No, what? it's New fine. Year's Eve was a trip. So we went to, what, this was two New Year's, New Year's Eves ago now, right? Jesus, God, fucking. You know, I live really close to a train track, and it's, you know, when I just think about how much time we've wasted on this pandemic. Oh, my God, yes. Have you ever seen that Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom and Jerry both get dumped by their girlfriends, and then they just sit next to each other on a train track and the credits roll? Yeah. I'm like, one of these days, old rails, one of these days. So Um, two New Year's Eves ago, we decided to go to Atlantic City, and that that was a trip. Well, we yes, we you have a beach house there, yes, we, well, um, and, and you were like, like, "Hey, let's cross enough." Yeah, let's crash at my and place, like, and then do the polar bear plunge first day at the beach. The next day, that was lit. But anyway, yeah. So we, yeah, uh, where do you even start with this? We, um, well, I don't even. I'll be honest; I don't remember everything that happened. But that's in, okay. in, in a good way. I have a pretty 
See, I know I don't that I broke. Up, I helped break up a couple fights. I know that, and that was yes. probably the it toughest got, I've uh, ever been. I've ever felt in my entire yeah. life. We were at some weird I nightclub mean, that know. was serving pretzels and beer and anything, you, anything you, you could drink. Like, if I were to just meet you randomly on the street, I'd be like, "Oh, this guy's kind of looks like a badass. I don't want to mess with him." Oh, that's like that, I don't that's know. The nicest thing ever said to me. Thank you so much. I don't know. You're welcome. But like, no, that's I don't. I, I don't have to my me for being I forget about my appearance sometimes because people who I don't know, know me like, are like, I don't "Oh, know. You're this a guy might bear. rough me up a little bit if given the opportunity." At first um, glance, I get that vibe. Like I give off that vibe, I think. I mean, I remember I was yes. in a I was at a bar with Callum one time, and this guy bumped into him and spilled his drink. And Callum was like, "Bruh," but he was like super nice about it because the guy was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And again, Callum, you know, Callum's a nice guy. Oh, no worries, whatever. And I'm with Callum yeah. talking to him, and I jokingly, I'm like, "Are we have a problem here?" Just like jokingly. And then he was like, "Oh my god," and he was like, "Oh my god, no, I'm so sorry." And he like walked away, and I was like, "No, I was just kidding. I'm sorry." Stop. I, See, I that's need, the kind of energy I want to throw around more. I need to be like I don't know, like because I'm tall. Well, now it's worse. Like, so I have my. I, I'm still working, but I and I, and I had a quarantine mop and a quarantine beard, and I shaved everything. Like I like I got a, like a nice haircut and I shaved my beard, and I just let it all. I'm come going back. the other way. Thanks. I just let yeah. it all come back. I, I yeah. Look, I look disgusting right now. Yeah, I gotta be honest. This is. I don't like having beard. That was a weird thing with my big ex. She really liked the beard. I just don't get it. I don't think I, I love look good beard. With it. I will never be clean shaven again. I think I will always have some sort of facial hair. I definitely know I don't want a beard anymore. But I will say my oh. hair at this length, I kind of want to commit to it. I just need to get a damn. Uh, I just need to get a darn um, <laughs> comb or a brush to uh, to make it manageable and also get a better conditioner yeah my hair my hair looks okay my hair's manageable my beard i actually just trimmed it it was worse a few days ago it gets all yeah, stuff. I need to. that's where my toughness lies the appearance if i shaved this i would look like uh i would look like like a dutch lesbian i think if i were to <laughs> like i would look like or like like i like i don't even know how to explain it i just feel like i would look so like not I, i'd be so different I feel like I would look like a little girl, even, with with no beard. No, you'd be fine. Um, oh, but yeah, New Year's. So it was like a couple months after the big breakup. I was still, I was kind of whatever. I, I, so it was open bar. It was like a place in Atlantic City, like a little club, um, in one of the casinos, where it was like sixty dollars. You get in. You this is the get open we bar service, first, right? Yes, because yes, I'm yes. pretty sure you disappeared for like half of this evening. Yeah, I don't know. Like, something I've been working on with, like, I've realized, especially during this pandemic, I'm actually pretty introverted um, in the sense that, I don't know, I kind of like Carter time. I kind of like sort of having my own little bubble. I get that. So I feel that. I was working. I mean, and I that felt night, that when I was we, working on. When you wandered off, and I was like, well, he just left the club, but that's okay. Yeah. Where, because, well, that was, I was literally working on it because I was like, you know, sometimes if you're feeling overwhelmed by a social situation, it's okay to just take a minute. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna walk around it the, you know, okay. I'm gonna walk around this casino. It I'm gonna take okay a breather. To leave, like any situation, I feel. Yeah. Like you, like, yeah. like people feel trapped. Literally, you're almost never not able to leave. Yeah. Like you even especially when you look like and me. you walk into a different room. Like I feel like that's like fine. 
Yeah, and that's something I've been trying to work on. So, like, I did that a couple times where I'm like, I'm going to look around the casino, maybe see if someone wants to play blackjack. Didn't end up playing blackjack, which was a bummer. But, yeah, so, and, like, I think, so I was dancing a lot that night. Um, as we all I was were. drinking and dancing a lot. As yeah, we all were. Callum pushes us because that kid likes to dance. Oh so I'm like, God. well. It is, I have to, before, before we go out and Callum's coming, I have to stretch I have to wear. Yeah. I wear like Nike on like Nike undershirts, like the sweat absorbing ones. Like oh, well, I wear I wear like compression shorts. I have to have icy hot. I have to have icy hot spray on hand to go out with Callum. It is so exhausting. Yeah, and for some reason, something triggered in my brain one time when we were out where I'm like, I kind of want to dance too. Like I, you know, I want to work on my dancing. I want to be able to cut loose, and I just committed to it. And that night I had uh, maybe – I really should have kept track. At least 15 Sprite uh, raspberry vodkas, uh, the old razzle-dazzle as I like to of call course, it. Of course. Um, which I think I saw that on a sign somewhere in New York and I was just so tickled by that name. I'm like, that's what I'm going to call <laughs> it all the time. The old razzle-dazzle. You should open up a bar just to serve those drinks and call them the old razzle-dazzle. I would love to own a bar or a restaurant. Who would it? Yeah. I mean it sounds like – it seems like a pain in the ass. But it, like it would, it would have. I feel, like, I feel like every man in their life has the idea that they're gonna that open thought. a bar. At, at some point in every guy's life, he's like, "I'm gonna open right? a bar." I believe that. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I'm having a good time. I'm like, man, are these things watered down? I shouldn't be able to drink this many. Um, and right after New Year's, this um, this woman comes up to me and just goes, "Hey, like, I've, uh, you know, you look like you're having a lot of fun. I really appreciate all your dancing." And I don't remember what I said, but I was trying to sound cool. You probably look, she said that. You looked up at her and you're like, I love you. Honestly, I like – I probably – I think at one point in the night she mentioned she liked Steven Universe. And I was like, God, wifey me up already. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you anyway, thought she was like the one by the end of the night. Yeah, but I'm like a hopeless romantic, which I think ties into a lot of my problems with relationships. In general, like it's also something I've kind of learned in Pandemic – I resort to flirting and romanticism way too much as just, like, a social crutch where I'm just like, oh, uh, this person wants to be friends with me? All right, I need to be suave oh, all the time. I have to hit and, on like, them some people constantly. Don't like that. Yes, I need to be flirty and playful all the time. And it's like some people don't like that, and some people kind of get tired by that. You know how, like, also, it's kind of tiring use, for you. It's like if some people use, like, uh, like, being tired as, like, a social crutch – like yes. you know how like you're like you're like you're walking with someone and you don't you run out of things to say and you're just like oh my god I'm so tired or like even like they even get like a yawn in there like oh, and then they go oh yeah I know yeah oh, no I'm yeah. actually yawning so like my version of that, that your version of that is you'll be like oh I'm so tired and you'll yawn and you'll just do the arm thing yawn and around, stretch yes <laughs> around their shoulder yes and that's like, the that's difference just... between you and me. Yeah, and that's like my general vibe, and me and my therapist are working through why that is. Um, I will report back with more information Please do. Please <laughs> when do. more information comes. But yeah, I have so your she therapist said, on the show. Oh god, that poor woman. She's trying so hard, man. I mean, it is like I know she's trying. Yeah, I mean, she does get paid a good amount. Either that, or I won't she's say like not much. a real. She's like not a therapist, and she's just like a waitress, and you just keep going to the same place, and you just like talk yeah. to this random. Person. Like that's the twist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I actually just go to a Denny's all the time, and I'm just like you're like you're pushing like, this talk, lady to the brink. <laughs> yeah, this woman goes home every night <laughs> just, and, to her poor just, husband. It just and she's sobs like, every night. Yeah, just yeah, she gets. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Oh god. 
Oh no! Uh, oh, I feel so bad for this imaginary woman yeah, we created. Why did we break her immediately? We why did we destroy her? And then why broke her? We're destroyers. <laughs> oh god, we create and we destroy. Is this the burden of being a god? <laughs> um, but yeah, basically what happened was. Um, she came up to me like, you know, I had my flute of champagne, and for some reason the champagne was what triggered where I'm like, oh, all that vodka is coming to collect the check. Um, anyway, so she's like, hey, you know, you look like you're having a lot of fun out there. You seem cool. And I don't know. I say some kind of quippy catchphrase. I try to do one more dance move, accidentally collide with her, Incredible. collide with two other people, ruin at least three drinks. Classic. Might have caused a Classic fight. rom-com move. Yes. Honestly, it was a little too perfect. And then I look up at her and go, like, uh, we should probably get out of here And if you want to talk more. And she's like, yeah, I'd like to talk more. Um, and then we get, just we walked get, around. We should get out of here. I'm staying with five other guys at a small condo. Yeah. Why don't you come well, back over? Well, she was, staying in the, she was staying in the hotel, but she was staying with her brother and sister. So she's like, yeah, I'd invite you back to my place, but that might be awkward. But yeah, we ended up just hanging out for like an hour, um, like occasionally dancing. Uh, we went to we went to the bar right next to the club to get water. Um, I briefly excused myself because I'm like, I might throw up. I should probably uh, just hang around a bathroom to be safe. Didn't end up throwing up. Um, I think I talked about the big X to her, and she's like, it's okay. I went through a similar thing. And for some reason, that just small act of compassion and empathy uh, like really helped yeah. Just uh, relating to anybody on any level, on any level. Yeah, I feel. Oh, absolutely. Um, that helped a lot, and it, you know. And then one of you texted you guys. I realized you, at the last. I realized how pissed you guys were I, at me. I, I did. I did not interject. You say that you were with her for an hour. I think you're with her for like four and a half. Like we, we weren't there that long after midnight. We, I don't think. It felt like it felt like we were there a week and a half. We were looking for you. Like, we were at, like, like, like Caesars or something. Like, some massive place. I don't know if it was that one exactly, but we were at, like, some massive place. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was exactly. And we were looking for you everywhere. And we were calling you. I don't even know if that was even working. There's pictures Ooh. of there's pictures of us just, like, slumped over in some hallway. Because we're just, like, we're just like we don't know what else to do. Like, I think at one point we ended up just sitting in a hallway, which is just a general, like, party too hard. Yeah, aren't we all New just Year's sitting energy. in a hallway somewhere? Was it the showboat? Was that what it was called? I'm literally skimming through uh, different casinos in the area it trying to figure it out. It might have been to be honest. Yeah, it might have been. It was huge. It was very disorienting. I think, I think the, the club was called, like, something weird, like like Palpitations. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, like Pulse. That. Yeah, something like that. Like it was, it was, yeah, it was heart palpitation. Yeah, it was heartburn. Yeah, um, it was. That's but, where, yeah, that's where I got this idea from. But yes, we. Um, I finally look at my phone, and they're like, Carter, we've already called an Uber. Uh, if you don't get down here, we're leaving without you, and you can pay for your own Uber. Carter, this is very annoying. Carter, <laughs> Carter, 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 where are you, Carter? Carter, for God's sake. Which those are Carter, all empty threats. Because if I if I returned. So my parents were staying at the condo as well because they're like, hey, it's New Year's for us too. If I returned with one less friend, that would have looked really bad the, on their part. Yeah. So I, Yeah. So, so leaving without I, you was an empty threat and will probably always be an empty threat. Yeah. Well, because – but at the same time – well, no, it would have been bad because my parents don't know my fast and loose lifestyle in terms of just 
Oh, I'm sending like, this to your parents, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I was probably going to post it on Facebook. I don't know. Oh, I'm not okay. saying anything that will get me canceled in my friend circles, so it's probably fine. I mean, I, just, I yeah. described myself earlier as a Dutch lesbian, so. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, then she's like, all right, let's get you back to your friends. And then we found you guys, and you're like, you all were like, Carter, where the hell did you go? And I'm like, I was having a fun night. Oh, nice then, girl. I chatted with her for a little while after she Oh, yeah. Yeah, she... Yeah, she's she was definitely the confident one in our little um, party. Right. Uh, and then at the last possible minute, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask for their number, and I got it. I was a little worried that I put in the wrong number, but then I she remember that back. conversation. I remember you. Oh yeah, on the car ride home, I go, um, you, I just, you, yeah, like you texted her or something, goes, and you're like, oh, this is the right number. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, what if I put in the wrong number? Yeah. Um, I remember too, and, like the Uber was like, I guess running late or something, and you were like, "Oh, perfect, I can go back." And I remember just like grabbing you and being like, yeah. "You're with us now." Yeah, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> I want to say goodbye one more time." And one of you like bear grabbed me, like, "Nope." It was me. It was me. I grabbed you like across the <laughs> stomach, like you were running. Yes. Like, I was the last person to get by. I was the last line of defense. If you got past me, you yeah. were gone. You were gone for the well, whole. Well, yeah, day. because you're the only one who can match me in terms of strength. Yeah, so I barely, Joe's just, Joe and Callum are bean poles. I ran right. Through, I can run right through those. Kids. I literally. I, first of all, I like to see that Joe and Callum. You've officially been challenged. But yeah, just I just like grabbed you, and I'm like, okay, buddy, it's okay. You'll talk to her. Like you'll text her tomorrow. Like. Yeah, and. I don't know. It, yeah, and it's ended up turning into something really nice because, and I, I've talked to her about this. I think both of us, and like we've gone on. Do you still? We went on two dates. Oh yeah, we talk, we talk pretty often. Um, this one you we met went at on, the casino. Yeah. What uh, the she, hell? Well, she. I thought that like yeah. died out. I thought you talked for like a week and then that was that. No, no, no. I, dude, she's into cartoons and animation How I not know as about an art this? form. Why would I not? Do I our know. other I friends guess, know about this? I mean the Fortnite, the PS4 squad do because oh, I just because all of our Fortnite games devolve into me just rambling and this trying to keep the conversation. I, this is going. what I get. This is what I get for not playing video. Yeah, games. for not getting a PS4. Yeah, get on it. Well, oh. I guess you can get a PS5 now if you want, but Maybe I prefer someday. the four. Um, yeah, but you know, we ended up going on a date in January and one in February, and I think it was like the perfect timing in terms of like I definitely needed like. And I think my big ex was right that I need to be single for a while in my life to kind of figure things out. And this is kind of the perfect balance of that, where both of us are kind of at a point in our oh transition point in our lives, uh, me and this girl, where you know we're kind of figuring the next big steps out in our respective lives. Wow, I hope you guys and we get both... married. Oh, for God's sakes, um, I'm so, not going to make that commitment to anyone so again. I, so I, so I can sure. feel I can feel responsible. I can be at your wedding, like yeah, I did this. But, um, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just nice to, like, spend time with someone who sort of respects where you are at in your life and you respect where they're at in your life. And you kind of both have a good sense of, like, what you can give at any given time. Right. And I think that's a mistake I made with my big ex where I'm just like, I like how well, just obviously like the you can – I don't know how else to describe it really. Um, oh, that's fine. But, like, that's, no, that's with perfect. her it was always like, oh, well – why can't you make more time for me? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Like, I don't know. I, it's It's been an interesting, it's a very different energy that I think is helping me kind of learn more about myself than I thought I would. Wow. That's beautiful. When did you talk to her? And last? then, uh, I'm so shocked. 
I think we were talking about what were we? Talking about? Oh, I was asking questions about vegan stuff because because I literally she's vegan. brought this up on a whim. Like I just remembered in my brain. Oh yeah, that was kind of a funny story. Yeah, it is a funny story. I was kind of hoping you'd bring it up because it is. It's pretty. I don't know. It's pretty funny. But it's also nice. You in a casino, but you're not the first friend who I've lost in 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 a, in a large proximity. Like, yeah. You know. I realize that must like I appreciate now like oh. Carter has just completely disappeared in a place we don't really know that well, where there's lots of strangers, and also he's had a lot of alcohol. I, feel like I realize I often, now I that I like put I often, you guys in a very difficult situation there. I often, like, go into mom mode, like, when I'm drinking with friends. Like, when I go out, like, I'm often the yeah. one who's like, okay, let's get everybody home. Like, I'll go out, and I'll, like, I'll have a good time, I'll get drunk, but, like, I will get, I will become sober enough to get us all home. And then, so yeah. those nights where it's like, I am not going to become mom tonight, I'm going to become uh like a terrible two-year-old those are fun ones so yeah well see that used to be me that used to be i used to be the mom one where i would be the designated driver all the time you did but then i was like but then i became a cider hound but then you were like this is lame yeah i'm like god i don't want to be known as the lame kid in school i'll get bullied like and then yeah i discovered cider as like an alternate to a cheaper alternate to because I don't really like beer. I just something about hops does nothing for me. I mean, but I, I also don't want to spend I'm, I'm money. I'm like a bitch. I drink light beer. Like any. But then that's too light for me because I'm a you know I'm a thick boy. Um, well, I mean, so am I. But it gets me there. I found Twisted Tea. I wish. I wish. Like there's one. That's one brand I wish would sponsor me. I oh, love God. Twisted Tea so much. See, I would want to sponsor, but someday I wish to become famous enough where I can have my own cider brand. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, that's, imagine, I mean, that's the new hotness among celebrities. I know. I mean, imagine just, like, Heartburn Brew. Oh, that would be nice. Right? But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a wild and crazy night. And then the next day, I was trying valiantly to eat breakfast without throwing up. And, and then, then we ran the, into the freezing cold ocean. I nearly dislocated my damn ankle stepping into a pit. Didn't know uh, that part, but... Still. Yeah, literally within the first fifteen steps, I just go whoop. There, I was holding the GoPro, and I'm like the slow oh, one of the friend group. Yeah. I was holding the GoPro. Literally, when I get to, the, by the time I even get to the water, you see Dan. Like, have you ever seen like one of those lizards that run so fast, like on top of the water? Yeah, like that was Dan. <laughs> like on top of, I don't even think he got wet, and he got all the. He went like he went like six feet deep and didn't get wet. That's how fast he went. Like, well, my original plan was to actually go swimming. Like, I was gonna do a lap, but they were like pretty clear. Like, don't, don't do that. Yeah, they were like, you get like, in, we'll get you get out. You. Yeah. So I, like, like, we so I went in. I went. I ran in, and I dunked myself in a couple of times, and then I ran out. But yeah. Yeah. But like, literally, I get to the water, I get in, and you, I pan back to the shore, and you're all just like standing there already, and I'm just like, yeah, wow, I should not have been on GoPro duty. Oh, God. That was a fun day. It was so much fun. I wish it became a tradition. Well, it's still... Well... It still can. I mean... We still can do that. But now it's just with the added thought of like, oh, this might be the last time we ever do this before an extinction-level event happens, huh? Right. Right. Well, this year, New Year's was nothing. Yeah, I don't even... I went to to a safe, socially distant bonfire in my friend's backyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got invited to that, but you did get invited um, to that. but again, as a germaphobe, uh, I haven't left the house in two months, so. So there you go. 
um, especially now, it's only gotten worse since the vaccine has become a thing where I'm like, oh, there might actually be an end game to this. So now and there's I'm like that like, glimmer of hope. I can't like screw it up at the last minute. Right. Because it'd be one thing if I accidentally got COVID in like January, where it'd right. be like, well, but now you're in the end game. Where it's like, now if I get it, I'm gonna feel really dumb. It's, it, it would like speaking of end game, like in a Marvel metaphor, it would literally be like if you got snapped back to reality, like you know, the Avengers brought you back, but then you die fighting Thanos' army, where it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, yeah. well, that blows. Right. Right. Like yeah. you get yeeted by like, Thanos' like helicopter you did, you blade. Did your part. And then, and by did yeah. your part, I mean just wait patiently in death. Yeah, and then you come back, and everyone's like, "Hell yeah, round two, baby!" And then you get like stabbed yeah. by. And then his, you're like, like "Okay, henchmen. someone snap again, come on!" As you're bleeding out yeah. on the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, so, Ant Man's l- lunging over your corpse. Yeah. Oh god. Um, what a what a time! What a film! What a picture! So anyway, as they say, we will now move in. To your summer job oh yeah because so that, um, you could actually have kept that going that was outside yeah well they thought about it. god knows they dragged it out as long as they could before they made an official so, announcement so you worked the renaissance fair yes you were for, an, you were an actor in the renaissance fair? yes so for three years of my life uh halfway through college and post-college i worked at the new york renaissance fair in tuxedo new york I was a uh, act performer slash stage manager slash assistant director. Um, so if anyone's been to the Tuxedo Renaissance Fair in the last couple of years, they probably saw you. Oh, um, absolutely. Like, I got around that place. Like, um, you were going but, on the yeah. plague. So, uh, well, yeah. God, people were talking about, like, next year we should all wear plague masks. And I'm like, no, I want to pretend this never happened. I literally want, like, that would oh, be there's a... That would be fun. There's a there's a year gap in my resume. Oh, I must have gotten hit by a coconut and went into a coma or something. <laughs> I don't know what happened in 2020. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I must have gotten caught in a time loop so or something. So how did you get into this? What did you do? Okay, where do you even begin? So um, it started where? So so you have to cast your projects when you're, you know, you do a lot of film projects at NYU naturally because it is a film school. Right. And I cast this one girl, Sarah. Um, well, girl, she's a woman. She's older than me. But super cool. Um, total badass. Uh, right now, they work as a... Uh, the last couple years, they've been working as like a um, sort of health and safety person on film sets. Um, they also act and perform. Um, they mentioned they work at the Renaissance Fair. So their first year there, I go and visit them because, you know, you want to be a supportive friend and support their career. And I was like, ah, oh, this place is kind of cool. That's actually the first time I ever had an alcoholic drink, too, um, because I turned 21 that August. Uh, I had one cider. uh, No, I had one mead, got chased by bees, and then sat down in a field as I waited for that to wear off. That sounds Um, good. Anyway. While it it fair in full attire? No, no. This was before I worked there. Oh, okay. Um, No, you're not. Oof. If you got caught drinking, you'd be fired on the spot. Oh, Um, really? Yeah, no. They have a very zero tolerance for that. Um, But anyway. Um, so, anyway, so I go and visit, like, I check it out as a patron, and I'm like, ah, this place is really cool, and I found out the next year that it was the 40th anniversary, and for some reason in my head, I'm just like, you know what, why don't you go audition? There's auditions here in the city. It was the 40th anniversary, you were like, I need to be a part of this. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know. It'd be fun to be like, oh, I auditioned for their 40th yeah. cast. Year 40, and like, enter Carter Glaze. Yeah. Like, it, well, that's always what, that's what every anniversary is building up to. When you need, when you need a boost, you call Carter. Um, Obviously. But. This episode won't I, air until two years from now, when it's the anniversary of this episode. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was funny because I was like, oh, well, they're not going to actually cast me. Like, I have no, I have very little acting experience. I don't even have a professional headshot. So I go in, I do, like, a monologue from a video game, and, like, what you could tell... What was your monologue? Oh, it was something from Bioshock. I don't know if you've ever... You um, auditioned with the line from Bioshock to a Renaissance Fair? Yeah, well, I didn't, I don't know, because it was dramatic. Yeah, but they were just like, bring any monologue. And I'm like, Excellent. well, I don't have a monologue prepared, but I remember this bit. From I just, I just pictured Michael line. Scott from The Office doing this. Honestly, it was only slightly better than that. <laughs> it was only slightly better than that. But um, if only because I didn't have multiple acts I had to get through. Um, but yeah, and like you could tell a couple of the directors were like, all right, well, that was fine. Uh, good luck with whatever you do. Yeah. But this one director, Tisa like, held up the card to move me on to the next day of auditions. Wow. And I was like, uh... And now you're like, what the fuck do I do now? I really was like that. Because it was also like, I'm like, I can't even do every weekend. And right. the second day she took me aside and she's like, hey, you mentioned you do stage managing work. I need a stage manager for my... I, like, run a show on the fairgrounds called Chit Chat. Um, I need someone to stage manage it. You know, help me keep track of everything. Help me organize it. Keep track of the cast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I can't really do all the weekends. And she's like, oh, you can get an understudy. And then I'm like, well, I might as well give it a go. And, you know, for the first couple weeks, I'll be honest, I was like, I don't get this. This is weird. I'm not clicking. I, I'm not built for this. And then at some point, something triggers in your head where you just kind of, like, embrace the vibe and the energy and the flow. And I just realized it was this incredible creative experience where it's like it was pushing me to, it was pushing me to act in ways I never had to act before. It was pushing me to, like, do improv. Because a lot, it's mostly improv, honestly, uh-huh. in ways I never did before. Well, are you, are you walking around interacting with people while you're there? Or so, are you strictly like, this is my show time, and, and then no one else sees me? Um, no, no. So, like, how it's kind of organized is there's a lot of different groups. So there's the Robin Hood Band who will go, you know, They'll have their – they have, like, four or five marquee events throughout the day where they'll do, like, sword fights or they'll do meet and greets. And then otherwise they'll walk around and, like, interact with people. The sheriff's guard, uh, like the sheriff of Nottingham, is the same way. Then there's the pirates who have their own little alcove. They mostly hang around there and do stuff, but occasionally they'll pop around other parts of the fair to, like, interact with guests. And I was a part of the villagers. And the villagers are kind of, like – that is, like, the bulk of who you meet during a rent fair – because their job is largely to interact with guests, to go around from corner to corner to, like, do funny stuff, do bits, talk to people, um, help people if they need directions. Um, and doing chit-chat was, like, a bonus thing on top of that. Um, yeah, so I did a little bit of that, and then I got sucked into this thing called... So, well, first, chit-chat is... It was, like, a 30-minute musical comedy show the premise was Tiza is the mayor of the Renaissance Fair. Like her character, it's like, oh, this like little shire in Renaissance England, I am in charge of it. Like this is my domain. Gotcha. Um, and 
the mayor puts on a musical comedy show where she like interviews. It's literally like a talk show where she's like, oh, I'll bring in interesting people from around the Shire and talk to them. It's you know, it's completely scripted, and it has all of these musical breaks where the premise is. God, it's such a weird show to explain, and I had to do a lot of marketing for it. <laughs> but basically, it's a musical comedy show where the gimmick is we take modern songs and reimagine them in Renaissance vibes. This sounds like fun. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a blast. I'm mad. I should... I'm mad. I never went. Yeah, if I it's mean, ever, it was kind if of it's a... ever a thing again, and you ever work it again, I'm going to go. I should send you guys because I have. There are recordings of it online. I should probably post um, last those season. Those should be those should be accessible. Um, yes, but yeah. So for example, last year um, it was "Live in La Vida Loca," but instead it was. I don't think she titled them, but I called it "Live in La Vida Tibble. And the gimmick was just like, oh, uh, we're interviewing Tybalt uh, from uh, Romeo and Juliet uh-huh. because we need his side of the story. And then it went into a musical break of Live in La Vida Loca, but with lyrics changed. Um, our theme song was um, Finesse from Bruno Mars, but we changed the lyrics to be about Tiza. Um, last year was particularly great because we had a whole house band. We had a ukulele, a guitar, um, and two different percussion people. So the sound was phenomenal. So honestly, that would take up most of my day. It, that would be like. So were you singing in this? Yes, for the first. So for the first two years, I was a background singer and dancer, just you know, filling out the ranks. Beautiful. And a, whenever there would be a physical comedy bit, I would usually participate in those. Of course. And then I got kind of bumped up to the big leagues my third year. So, yeah, the first two years I was a villager. I ended up having to do a lot of work with this group called the Boffers. It was like this little ring in the middle of the fair where kids could pay $5 to learn how to use foam swords. That's fun. Yeah, it was fun, but it was, like, a lot of work. And, like, as someone who likes to move around a lot and do a lot, it was kind of tough for me to, like, get locked down there. Yeah. And even the director of it was like, this, it, this might not be the best fit for you. And I'm like, I agree completely. Um so then my third year, I became Tisa's son. So the gimmick, Tisa, yeah, because Tisa likes to have someone on hand because, you know, she, as the mayor of the Shire, she's pretty busy. Like, you know, she has to look over the joust. She has to look over all the different, like, uh, big over. sword fight stuff. Yeah, she right. has to meet the queen sure when she comes to visit. properly. Yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, she has to interact with all the different people of the fair to make, you know. It's politics. To keep appearances. It's politics. Yeah, it's politics. Yeah, it's politics. You know, kissing uh, kiss baseballs, kiss, yeah. throwing babies, that exactly. sort of thing. There you go. Um, so she likes to have someone on hand as, like, her official assistant. And she was like, Carter, you basically do this already. Why don't we make you my, like, in-universe son? So the gimmick was I was her long-lost son who got abducted during a uh, Spanish coup, finally returned to the Shire. And uh, so, yeah, I had, like, I was a lead in one of the songs. I got to do a lot of different, like, bits during the show. Um yeah. That sounds so fun. And yeah. And then, like, basically my day, my third year, which was my favorite, was, like, I would literally just follow Teaser around throughout the day. We would, you know, we would talk. We would shoot the breeze. We would interact with guests whenever they would be like, oh, can we get a picture with you? Or ask us stuff. Um, I would be her right-hand man during, like, all the different events. Um, It was really fun during um, sort of the big final event of the day is a huge sword fight between uh, Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham, and us just interacting with each other as we like watch in suspense. That was really fun. Uh, sometimes I'd have to hold an umbrella for her if it rained. Um, but yeah, it ended up being this um, 
yeah, the Renaissance Fair ended up being this, like, shockingly, what started as literally like, oh, God, how did I get sucked into this? Ended up being this incredibly creatively rewarding experience. Well, it was, it was like you made, like, a, you, it was like another world. That you would literally just step into it, and you'd be like, okay, that's... Yeah. Not, goodbye, 21st century. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think that's definitely a part of the charm. It's like, it's a completely different energy from everything else I was doing at the time. Yeah. It was... As someone who likes just being performative and verbose, it was fun to just, like, completely transform myself. And, like, I just... Like, I found a community there, you know? I... Like, that's something that's been talked about a lot with the Renaissance Fair. It's just you end up finding, like, a lot of people who come from a lot of different places and have a lot of different reasons for how they ended up there. And yet, despite all of that, they form this weird little, like, family of people who encourage each other and try to make, bring the best out of each other. Um, That's so beautiful. I mean, it's literally the freaking Creed wow. Branton line from The Office where it's like, yeah. you know, against all odds, human beings have this weird ability to come together and form yeah. a family against, you know, so even when that doesn't So who went on their second grade field trip to the Renaissance Fair had no idea the impacts that were made around them. And you all should have paid close yeah. attention. First graders, yeah. second graders, whatever grade I said. Yeah. And I don't know. It was also just nice because, like, like, at the end of the day, we would all hang out by a campfire and, like, talk about the day and, like, eat dinner together. You know, it's just a nice community. Yeah, and nice. as nice as it was to not – well, I was going to say it was nice to have weekends in the summer this year, but I wasn't going anywhere. Right. Um, but at least you guys like, could sleep in. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, that's it's, true. It's nice just, like, not doing things sometimes. Yeah. Like, whenever and I like, have, like, a, whenever I have, like, two months where I have, like, every weekend I have something going on, that the Saturday yeah. that I'm finally off, it's like, wow, I can't wait to do nothing today. Yeah, picture that from uh, July to October. Right. Wow. Um, those October ones. The October ones were nice, though. It has a nice autumn crisp. Um, but, yeah, it was um, – the Renaissance Fair, I, you got to at least go to a Renaissance Fair once in your life. It I, is a I wild experience. I have been to one, and, and I – remember very little of it because i was in like second grade but i'm pretty sure i threw like a hatchet or something or an axe yes there's there's always throwing axes there's, you're always uh, at the renaissance fair it's like okay second graders 90 percent of what today is is sharp objects being thrown have fun oh god oh yeah well i mean we like oh man well there, i mean there's a reason why we have literally like a wall of like cast security around whenever there's a sword fight because it's like all you need is one eight-year-old to like try and hug robin hood right and then someone ends up in the hospital right um but yeah it's oh man and it was also nice because um when the renaissance fair ended last year um i finally went to the pa renaissance fair which is right near hershey park and it was so fun like i don't know it was so fun seeing like being on the other end of the stick again yeah. and being like, like a customer but also it. having the knowledge of what is happening yeah where i'm like looking at it and i'm like oh i know how that sausage got made and how that sausage got made and then i saw the mayor of their uh renaissance fair and i'm almost like are you in the market for a large adult son <laughs> i'm immensely qualified yeah you, I have you, could, you could quite literally play an estranged son from a different town because that would still yeah. fit they could all be canon. I'll yeah, I'll just hop from Renaissance Fair to Renaissance You're Fair in the character. Renaissance, the Renaissance Fair thematic theatrical yeah. universe, I mean. Yeah, like, 
I just like, from fair to fair, like, are you my mom? <laughs> who's um, the mayor? Because yeah, I am, the mayor I am, I am, a, I am a son. Yeah, I am a large adult son in need of like a parental figure. Um, <laughs> um, Played by someone only six years older than me. Yes. Well, actually, yeah, I'll never ask how old he is. That's a terrible idea. I wouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. At this point, and at this point, I'm just too embarrassed to ask. Right. If you um, don't know by now, you're just never gonna know. Not gonna be that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was that energy where I'm just like, oh, I could be your, you know. Yeah, I'll just be the large adult son. And there are people who literally go from Renaissance Fair to Renaissance Fair. That's, you know, their oh, lives. I, I can imagine. They work at different fairs. Um, and, well, not even just, um, not even just, like, performers, but also, like, shopkeeps and stuff. Like, you know, the thing about the New York Renaissance Fair is none of the buildings, or almost none of the buildings are actually owned by the Renaissance. Well, like, all of the shops Well, where, are where does it take place? Like, in a, in, in, a, in a field somewhere? Is there even... How do I describe it? So, Tuxedo Park is um, sort of Catskills adjacent. It is technically a part of the Appalachian Trail. Like, it's right south of, like, the part okay. where it picks up in New York. So, you're not, um, like, in any sort of city. No, Tuxedo is a really super small town. Um, I actually work with a guy from there, weirdly enough. yeah. It's it's gorgeous. Um, it's a gorgeous area. Um, apparently, back in the day, it was where a lot of socialites from New York would come during their vacations pre um, pre depression. Is that why it was called um, Tuxedo? Because they were like, we're rich. I wish I could say I know, but I do not. Um, and yes. yeah, it's it's a very mountainous area, and right in the middle of these mountains, there's just like they have this huge clearing. Um, it's also right next to the Tuxedo Ski Resort that no longer exists. So it's just kind of this big area. Um, and yeah, it's up there. There are all these like buildings, and the company that owns the Renaissance Fair rents them out to different... Um, like It's literally like, uh, like the shops... You might not know this if you just go to a Renaissance Fair for a day, but like a lot of the shops are owned kind of like those people's homes right like they buy the space they build it up they like maintain it you know they have the shop on the bottom floor but on the top floor they have like oh, you know like their life yes like beds tvs all that right. stuff yeah and then when it's time for the season then they'll pack up and go to the next fair which usually yes. means going south yeah that's pretty cool yeah it's and it's credible life i am um, i ended up getting pretty close with the people who own this like pewter store there um and it's, I don't know, it's just interesting seeing, like, a life so different than yours. Right. You're living a life that is to portray a life. Well, that too. Um, yeah. Like, but and... that's the business, baby. That's show business. That's the business we call show. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, like, I look forward to it coming back. And, right. like, you know, I will who knows look forward to what going. the future will bring. Yeah, you guys gotta go. I would like, love come to. On. I, I can't believe we haven't, to be honest. I mean, it's a little roundabout to get there, but they have a bus that takes you from Port we Authority. Can make it happen. We can if make you can happen. stomach Port Authority for about 30 minutes, you'll we have a good happen. time. So, fast forward, you, right, you right now, I think, in the general time period, you're writing scripts, you're working for production companies, is that what I'm understanding? Yes. So, I don't know. My um, my film career has been pretty eclectic. A part of it is... Um, hold on, I'm actually going to grab a sip of water. Okay. Well, this would be a good time to say that 
uh, I took a script writing class in college, and so I've written scripts. So, I guess you could say we're the same. Exactly mm-hmm. the same. You and I are not so different, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, I but... actually have <clears throat> do have scripts, and I always thought, I should send these to Carter and see if these are worth going anywhere. Yeah, you should. Honestly, I like I just like reading stuff. Um, honestly, a big part of my career has been that. Because... Um, For the longest time post-college, I worked with a company called Synetic Media, where I was like a reader and just general assistant. Um, Synetic Media is a production company, so they represent directors, filmmakers, and screenwriters, and they are one of like the hundreds, you know at the very end of the credits you'll just see all these different logos? Fuzzy door. They're one of like the hundreds of different companies you'll see who like put some amount of money into the production to get it made, or to get it in theaters. So they could literally pay just enough to, like, have their logo in the end credits? I mean, the understanding when you negotiate these things is, like, your money is going to directly get us something. Right. Whether it's to get on Netflix or to get in X amount of theaters. So, But, yeah, basically. So if I donated money to a production, I could have Harper Media at the end, at the end credits. I would... Be a, you'd have to have a lot of money. I have like um, I have like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I could I, buy I, I could buy a shoelace on a on on for a costume or something. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think that's gonna cut it cheap. Nah, just um, wait, just you wait. But um, yeah, it's that was um a fun experience, and a lot of my day would be well, one part of the day would be um, like. I would do tracking, which is literally like you go into all of the different like major publications, like the Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, um, Variety, and you would keep track of like all of the major announcements for upcoming projects. So you were literally keeping track of like who was making what, when, where, and how. Um, which for me, as someone who just likes being in the know and like being a like pool of information, was always exciting. True. Um, that you do like you do like breaking news to the group chat. Yes, like, oh, for God's sakes, like, even yesterday I found out that Mahershala Lee was um, possibly in the running to play Joel in the HBO adaptation of Last of Us, and I was like, guys, you're never going to believe this. And then, like, an hour later when it turns out, they're like, oh, actually, Pedro Pascal just took the role. I was like, guys, tables are flipped. Yeah, Mando. He's going to be a dad again, but in a much sadder production. But, yeah, there would be that, and... Then it would be like I would get sent – like filmmakers and writers would send us scripts and films looking for representation. And my job would literally be to sit down, go through them, write out this like huge like Word document just talking about how I felt about it. And basically that would help decide whether or not we would go forward with that project. All right. Here's what you do. You read all the scripts and everything and you say, listen, I know just a guy for this side – part guy that has two lines he, he has his own podcast so you know i mean honestly, like i don't care i'll do nepotism i don't <laughs> care world's crazy right now just do whatever you feel hey, like it's not what you know it's who you know so yes um but yeah it was um that was a really fun experience because like i said i just like seeing what other people are doing like i like seeing how other people approach writing i like right. seeing how other people approach and film. that's like a way to take in like you know, different perspectives and apply them to yourself and, like, find your identity through pieces of other people's identities. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, honestly, it's helped me learn, especially, like, reading other people's, like, uh, critiques of scripts. I've been learning, like, okay, maybe not that, maybe this, maybe this, maybe that. Um, like, it's also fun because when I was there, that was the time... Uh, do you remember Green Book? Green Book. Is it a movie? Uh, yeah, it won Best Picture. Yeah, I do. I never saw it, but I do remember the yes. movie. Yes. But I remember because it was not supposed to be a big Oscar play originally. Um, it was supposed to come out in the summer as like, well, it has two big names, and it's like, you know, feel-good story. Like, it'll come out in August, and it'll get, like, you know, a good amount of money. It's not too expensive. Right. But when I was there, the Toronto Film Festival was adamant that we submit it to the Toronto International Film Festival. Did you work with um, Green Book? I mean, I didn't personally work with it, but I literally was sitting there working on my stuff while I heard these conversations being made. Interesting. Um, yeah, because – and apparently Toronto really wanted it because the two actors who were in it, uh, Viggo Mortensen, who they really like, yeah. and Mahershala Ali, who was like kind of at that time establishing himself as the next great American actor. So they're like, yeah, let's um, – you know, let's get it in the let's get it in this uh, festival. So we were like, all right, and then it ended up winning the Audience Choice Award, which the Audience Choice Award at Toronto tends to be a pretty good indicator of like Oscar plays. Uh -huh. So everyone was like, uh, I guess it's coming out in November or December. Um, and yeah, I was just listening to I got to listen to all these conversations about like, all right, what do we swap? Like what film do we move out of the fall winter season? Do, do you and know push what into movie, summer? Do you know what movie got the boot for Green Book? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So it might it have been well? Archie. Like did it cost this movie like a lot? Like No, no, it was fine. I think it might have been RGB, the Ruth or R R B G, Ruth Bader Ginsburg Arch, documentary. RGB? Archie? R B G. Yeah, or okay. beachy, but well, that, which, I you know, like that's the kind of movie where stuff. you could put that out whenever it's going to do as well as it's going to do. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, um, Green Book ended up winning Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and wow. there was a lot of thoughts about that. That's pretty cool. Um, so you were kind of there. Like, yeah, it was kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of cool being on the inside of those conversations, and yeah, and that's kind of why it was like a perfect job for me. Like, I know that if I really want to get into the actual production of film, I'm going to have to start looking more west. But at the right. same time, I love all of, like, I've worked at multiple different production companies here in New York, and I really love that experience because, like I said, like, I like being in the know. I like being on the inside and, like, hearing all of these right. conversations. Well, and, like, I, I will shamelessly plug you right now. You have productions, right, on YouTube that are YouTubeable. Yes. So um, do you want to, you can plug those. Oh, yeah, I can plug one of those real quick. Um, so I actually had a really cool opportunity. I'm trying to help you out, shit. Yeah, um, so, like, this, uh, this, uh, this, like, the last couple months have actually been pretty good for Carter in terms of finally getting stuff officially published. Um, so with Hold Space Theater Company, which is a group on YouTube who does digital theater, I got to adapt a script I wrote forever ago called... Um, the Soul Scouts. It's sort of my baby. It's been like my passion project for a little while. Um, it is a story about a group of Girl Scouts in the wilderness um, at summer camp, and their whole, like, the whole camp is about finding ghosts, um, talking to them, and figuring out how to get them to the afterlife. So, you like, can literally Google Carter Glace, and it will come up. I just did it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. I've always liked that idea that ghosts are stuck on Earth because they need to do something before they right. can move They have on. to have their earthly closure. Yeah, so, like, I wrote a script about that, and I've written a couple episodes, and um, I was talking to the, the head of Hold Space, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to uh, take the pilot episode and do, so like, Holt a little Space digital reading of it. Hold Space is not the company that you work for. They are no, another not another company that you found that would take your script. Yes. Um, and the other company I've been working with, uh, this hasn't been officially released yet, but I got to spend the last couple months working on a um, narrative podcast script. Um, it is a production company called Now with Milk Productions, which is in um, stationed in Texas. They're doing sort of a series of narrative podcasts about the making of different films. Oh. Um, so, so basically you, so each of them... do the research for them, or...? Um, so I got to research and write an entire single episode. That's so um, there were five episodes to start. Each one had its own writer. And I did the episode on Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, which is a film about the creation of Wonder Woman. Um, are you familiar at all with like the how crazy that story is? Uh, no, I actually don't know anything about that. So to, to be short... So give me, um, yeah, give me like the, ele the elevator pitch of, of what it is. So, uh, well, I'll start by saying, Wonder Wo the creative Wonder Woman was someone named Professor Moulton Mar William Moulton Marston. Okay. He was a Harvard graduate who was a professor at multiple different universities. He was, at the time, in the, 1900 the early 1900s, a pretty radical feminist who would routinely, uh, boldly proclaim that women were the future of the world, that um, women will soon overtake men as the dominant gender in the world. Do you think he was just trying um, to get laid? Well, that's where it gets interesting. Oh. Uh, so before he wrote Wonder Woman, he was in a romantic relationship and had children with two different women at the same time. Uh, they all lived together. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's pretty wild. He was in a polyamorous relationship before those terms were, like, fully codified in our pop culture. Right. Um, and then all three of them together, um, he got invited to what like what the proto DC comics was and they were like hey you know a lot of these parents are calling for us to censor comics uh, we figured if we get a egghead like you in here I don't know why I'm talking well I guess yeah. in New York the wrong, yeah if we got an if egghead get a, like you in here saying yes ex exactly um, and they were like yeah we want to bring you in to give us credibility and he's like I got a better idea I'll write you a comic and he created Wonder Woman as his sort of like There's no better source of credibility than a comic yes. book. Well, because and for him it became this opportunity he's like, you know, I can preach my philosophy of the world through comic books. Yeah. And an so entertaining like, platform that people will naturally be interested in. Yes. And in the early 2000s, um, a film director named Angela Robinson found out this story and spent uh, seven years trying to get this film made. Finally gets it made right as the Wonder Woman film is coming out. Perfect. So they are like, yeah, they're trying to get it finished like in time so it can kind of tie in a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, and it was really fun because I really like the history of um, William Marston, and I loved the movie. So it was fun sort of writing the script where I could tie in, like, the history of these people with the creation of the movie and with Wonder Woman in general as a character. Um, 
I don't know the exact timeline for when it will be released. I submitted the final script back in January, so um, hopefully within the next few months we'll um, get a sense of uh, when the finished product will be out. But I'm nice. really excited to hear that. I and, will. Yeah, I will. I will tune in to a rival, rival, rivaling, rivalry, rival podcast. I will tune in just for that episode. Yeah, and it's um. Yeah, I don't know. It's fairly gratifying after, like, you know, sort of grinding for a little while in, like, the, you know, the the machinery and, right. like, sort of just waiting for your opportunity to get some published work out there and be well, like, yeah, I, I made something. Where you're like, yeah, like, I'm, like, doing the shit now. Like, yeah, where I'm actually getting every, to, Yeah, you know, like, I'm starting to do stuff. the things that I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Good for you. Happy for you. Yeah. God, I miss, you know... I used to be so worn down from on-set experience that, but God, I would kill to just be on set, to eat a bagel, to to look at a camera lens. I mean, you could do to, two of those three things right now. Well, I don't have any bagels in the house. Right. I to sit around and wait for lights to get adjusted for like a goddamn hour. <laughs> um, but God, oh God. Um, walking away from the set because uh, someone didn't... Oh, God, should I tell that story? You so can, You can tell okay. whatever you want. This is your episode. There was a story... There was a time... Uh, it was like, you know, and like my late college and just post-college, I was doing a lot of like just on-set work, whatever work like felt, you know, just any opportunities because I'm like, ah, I should get more set experience. You know, I need it on the resume to, you know, get my career rolling. Uh, and I worked as an art director because... Uh, for people who don't know what an art director is, the short version is they're in charge of everything on set that isn't the actors or the camera. Um, long version is basically like costumes, sets, props, colors. Like they're basically in charge of the environment. Gotcha. Um, and I really like doing that because, you know, I love building sets, I love designing environments. Like it's just very satisfying to me. So I was um, an art director on this one film. I forget, oh god, what was it even called? I'd have to look up what the final title was. Um, well, I probably shouldn't name names here, but... So, yeah, the basic premise was, like... The basic premise was, like, this American is back is backpacking through Europe, and he ends up getting an Uber with um, some Europeans, and, like, they learn, you know, they learn to overcome their cultural differences or whatever. But at the end of the film, he gets held up at gunpoint by one of them. Oh. Uh, so we have a prop gun, which, you know, it's a whole process to get. Um, there's a couple prop shops in New York you can go to, but then you have to file all this paperwork, and you have to have a safety person on set. Um, I had a gun on one set on one film I directed, and then I was like, never again. Was this it? Um, was this- no, they, uh, this was something I directed, not art directed. Okay. Um, so but this is just something I was never like, did anything with a gun again because of one moment that just sucked. Um, well, no, someday I will. But when I'm famous enough to have other people handle it. Of course. Of um, course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway. So, we're shooting the final scene. The final scene, um, and, you know, this guy was really adamant about, like, the director of the film was really adamant about finding a very specific street because he's like, well, it needs to look like Europe. And there's a street uh, right in the heart of Greenwich Village called Gay Street. Um, it's right by the Stonewall Inn. It's like this little, like, crooked avenue like all brick and like the buildings are all brick and it's just it feels like from a different time and place and he's like all right we're gonna park the car here we're gonna do this we're gonna have this hold up scene and it's gonna be great and i'm like in my head i'm like uh did you get this approved by the city because this isn't one of the 
Yeah. You know, it's not, there's a handful it's not a good of good luck, too. Yes. Because there's a handful of areas, there's a handful of areas in the city that are considered like free zones where you can just film mm-hmm. and that's fine. But like a lot of streets, particularly like famous streets or, um, you know, streets with a lot of businesses, you got to get that stuff approved first by um, the the office of the mayor or whatever. Right, um, yeah. I think there's a specific film department. Hold on. Finishing the water. Um, anyway, so I'm like, okay, we didn't get approved for this uh, for this specific street, and also uh, this scene has a man holding a gun that looks real at another man as he gives him his wallet. Um, guys, like <laughs> well, but you also need to... cameras around, and like it obviously would look like a set. No. Well, you'd think that. But when people are just walking by and get a bur- you know a quick glance, yeah. they naturally panic. Right. And one of the biggest things we were taught in NYU is if you're going to have a gun out in a public situation, it is uber, uber, super, 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 super important. You contact the police department in advance to make sure there is a police officer on set because the two things that can happen, the three things that can happen are someone sees – a pedestrian sees this gun, freaks out, and causes a panic. Uh-huh. Two, someone tries to play civilian hero and like tries to tackle the person with the gun. Uh-huh. Or three, a cop happens to drive by and naturally uh, assumes the worst. Of course. So when I found out that we weren't going to have a cop escort, I literally go, uh, all right, uh, I'm going to set up what I need to do, and then I need to make a phone call. And I literally just walked off set. I was like... I'm like, maybe this is irresponsible, but I don't want to be here when things pop off. So I literally just walked back to, like, the nearest park and just hung out for a little while. Like, I got lunch. I was like – and then I was like, "Ah, I should probably see what ended up happening. And I go back, and a cop did show up and was just like, you have to shut this down. Uh, Thank God he didn't freak out or anything. But So someone did call the police? Yes. Wow. That's – Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can laugh at it now because I'm like, Carter called, oh, look who was right again, Carter, the Cassandra of the Mississippi, um, of the East Coast. But, yeah, it could have gotten really bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, God, I have all kinds of crazy set stories. I don't know. I I miss, but I do miss it. Like, I miss being on set. There is just, I love film because it is like this weird middle ground between white collar and blue collar because, like, you know, it is a creative, it is an art form. It is a creative field. And, like, you do, like, you know, you're getting really heady about, like, well, what is this character going through? How do we portray these ideas through the lens and how we design the set and the lighting? But at the same time, it's super-duper blue-collar in the sense of, like, you know, there's a lot of physical work to do on a set. you got to drag all these lights around. you got to, like, wear gloves because you're dealing with, like, 100-degree bulbs. You're, like, dragging sandbags everywhere to stabilize things. You're, like, putting you're putting stuff on boxes to elevate it. You're carrying all this equipment around. Um, you know, you're designing... You're building sets with your bare hands. Um, <clears throat> like, and then when you're on set and you're running... And then, like, solving problems on set is always, like... I think I described it as blue-collar solutions to white-collar problems. Where you're like, all right, how do we portray this idea? Well, what if we build this? Or we build this? Or we move this light? Yeah. Um, and there's just something really gratifying about that sort of harmony. Well, I did stage crew in high school for a couple years. So 
I guess you could say the same amount of experience. Oh, yes. I actually did. I actually played the role of the giant chair in um, Barnum and Bailey. <gasps> oh, I, you were a part of Barnum? I was a part of Barnum. That was it. Was a lot I, of fun. Oh my god! Were you a part of that? Barnum? Was like that was my first acting experience. <laughs> wow! So I staged, I crewed the stage that you were on. Do you remember yeah, I this was... giant chair so that yes. the guy could look little? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was, so uh, I was I was behind the chair for the whole scene. I, I didn't had, know that. I had to roll out the chair, so I had these black gloves, so you couldn't see my fingers because the chair the, was black. Or right. 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 And I so for okay so first they made these giant elephant legs, and oh, I I instantly knew like I'm not I don't want to be an elephant leg. It's too much choreography for me to get this right. I'm, yeah. I, I don't well, wanna, we never synced it right. It. I don't even. Yeah, no, they you might, had they, the right they, instinct. They might have botched the whole. They might have cut the whole thing. I don't even remember if the elephants made. The no, elephant. they kept it. It just wasn't synced up correctly. It didn't. It wasn't great. And I knew right away. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be giant chair. And I actually had to stand in as an elephant leg for one rehearsal, uh, or like one thing, whatever. And the director, I was off a little bit, and the director like yelled at me and like read me out. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm the chair, okay? I'm. Hey, man, I'm just straight five in here. Yeah. And then I had. For, um, for one, for one rehearsal, I didn't have the black gloves, and he was like, "You there behind the chair?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "You need gloves." I don't. I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna have them." Like, I'm sorry. So it was like really like over the top serious. I mean, I understand like in the real world it's serious, but it's like this is a high school production and this is a rehearsal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, and it's so like I... whatever level you're at, you want to take it seriously. But it's also like, hey, man, like it's it is yeah. you know these are kids, right? So I was behind the chair the whole time. I had to reel him out, and then wheel, and then I had to sit, like, stand behind this chair during the whole scene, and then I had to reel him off stage. It was really nerve-wracking, actually. But it was fun. I loved oh. it. I loved it. Well, that's what really got me into theater, because, like, like, after I got into NYU, I really started to appreciate how much I loved theater. Even, be, like, you know, like, film is what I studied, but I also took a lot of classes on theater just because I really started to appreciate, like, a lot of my, like, favorite stuff like, a lot of what I like to do with storytelling can also be done in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Broadway is honestly, well, before the pandemic, I guess, was, like, honestly my biggest hobby in college. Well, one of my biggest hobbies, where I would just, like, save whatever money I could and, like, hang out by the theater at, like, 8 a.m. to get cheap tickets. Um, I think I ended up seeing, like, 25 shows on Broadway. Um, um, I'm actually mad yeah. that I didn't get into... Like, I mean, now in my life, I'm like really heavily interested in film. Obviously, I don't have any of the knowledge that you have, but like, I did the stage crew, and then in college, like senior year of college, literally on a whim, I took a script writing class because people, like, I had my advisors like, oh, I like, I like, I feel like you would really like this and be able to like express yourself and be really cool. It's okay, whatever. So I took a script writing class literally like two years ago, and ever since I took that class, I'm like, literally, I always think like on some level, like, damn, like that was really cool. Like, I really wish I went like more into that. Which is a big I mean, part honestly, of why I was so interested in what you do, because I was like, wow, I could, like, really talk to Carter and, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the biggest advice I would give is, yeah, even though that college time has passed, it's still not too late. Like, I always this stuff say is it's more too late. Yeah. This stuff is more democratized than ever. Like, film school was super helpful for me, because someone who really struggled with the technical aspects, it taught me so much about the technical aspects. 
And as someone who really benefits from being in like a group learning environment where I could just like bounce ideas off of people and learn from other people, yeah. it was super helpful. Honestly, that was that in its own right was a big obstacle. Like I would write scripts for the class and then we'd have to share them. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. But that was like, those were like the most fun days. Oh, like, absolutely. You're literally everyone, like everyone's giving you like, oh, that was so great. Try this, try this, try this. And then you like write something and it's just like, it was just fun. Like... Oh, yeah. I mean, that was honestly the most gratifying stuff for me, too, um, in film school. Um, the writer's classes all kind of had that sort of writer's room vibe where you would just be at a round table yeah, and you would just exactly. go through other people's work. And, like, like honestly, like, even if I didn't make – like, even if I never made another film again, I would still have fun being, like, a critic or being someone who analyzed film. Like, if I just end up being one of those guys on Turner Classic Movies who's like, oh, you see, yeah, what is interesting about The Godfather is when he moves this camera right, it indicates... Like, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I love just talking about this stuff right. and, like, breaking down, like, the mechanics of it. And, you know, every script writing class is the best part of that for me. Yeah. I actually, going back to Barnum & Bailey, showed my parents for the first time The Greatest Showman last night. Oh, God. Do you not um, like that movie? I don't. I don't know. I, I guess I was just really hyped movie. for it. I love. That I find movie, it fun, but I think I that's think it's why a bit of a like, mess. It's fun. It's fun. It's. I like yeah. the music. I just like the movie a lot. Yeah. And also the like, character, like the like the character of Phineas, I just think is great. Like. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess love that's my the thing. idea of like this guy is just going out. Like he literally just wants to put on a show. And, like, yeah. He had, Barnum like, is he such an his life, historical like, figure. He, like, yeah. He really is a very interesting historical figure, but they make his um, character like the kind of person where like just goes out and like every day is a performance. It's all performance, and I just like think that's yeah. really satisfying. I think I dig that too. The I world mean, is again, a stage, as one man once said. I think, and all the and every, all the people are merely uh, the trees in the background. Um, but, but yeah, it's a weird. That's a weird movie for me because I was pretty hyped because I remember they announced that like five years before it came out. Hugh Jackman worked on that for forever. And I, I was like, oh man, because I think I remember reading that like a year after we did Barnum, which is a different musical version of the story of P.T. Barnum. Right. Um, and I remember being so hyped for it. And I, I can see that it is a bit of a mess of a film. It tries to do a lot. It tries to do a lot in not a lot of time. But at the same time, I'm like, Look, I'm a sucker for musicals. There is a baseline love I'm going to have for anything that has good songs and is colorful and is triumphant. And I'm like, it's impossible not to just kind of vibe with that movie and have a good time, even if you're like... I could listen to the soundtrack. What is this movie? Just like without even the movie. I could vibe to the soundtrack. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's a good time. But also it's funny because I'm... Like, I am no movie critic at all. Like, I have, like some friends who are like self-proclaimed movie buffs and then there's you know you who is actually like yeah. a film major i don't try to i would never claim i'm a movie buff i don't like that label fair enough and then it's so funny i'll be like oh yeah i really like that movie it was really good and then i'll just get shut down by people who like <sighs> see that's why i hate that shit like you've done man, it to me pirates of the caribbean i'll die on that hill i love that uh, see i don't even you what pirates of the caribbean did i say you don't I, – I, I don't even remember which one. I'm just so tired of the Pirates of the Caribbean. This is so long like, ago. I was I'm like, like oh, yeah, you know I what? really enjoyed that movie, and you were like, no. All right. Well, that was probably when I was in my angsty – It's okay, though. – anti-pirate phase. 
when I was super anti-pirate for some reason. Like, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it also helps, like, post-Last Jedi, I just try to be a lot more chill about movies because the whole discourse around that was so exhausting. Yeah, that really did just break my brain where I'm like, I'm tired of, like, which is a shame because I adore that movie. I think it's, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. But the people who didn't like it just ruined discourse for me where I'm just like, I can't. And it's gotten worse during the pandemic. Well, like, Star literally Wars every... became fan service. I mean, it became yeah. callbacks. I mean, and... Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is the worst version of it where it's like just yeah. people are incapable of not being toxic but about I'm it anymore. I'm the person where it's like, I just know the ride, man. I just like the story. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So by the time we got to Rise of Skywalker, which I thought was like kind of a piece of poo, I'm like, God, I can't even get angry about it now. I'm just I mean, so tired of this. Did they botch the Finn storyline? Probably. Almost definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does it suck that they cut uh, that they cut Rose out almost completely? Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it annoying that it all ties back to the Skywalkers? Yep. But at this point, I'm just too damn tired. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. But at this, this point, it is what it is. And am I gonna watch the extended Star Wars universe on Disney Plus? Yes. Yep. <laughs> can't even fight it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's also like, like every film in the pandemic has been like this. Like the discourse around Mulan was so toxic. Though, granted, that was also for political reasons, because like you know, Disney. Yeah, it, that's it's too complicated to get into here. Yeah, we um, we'll, we'll, we will we will we will revisit things. There will be more yeah. Carter Glaze episodes in the future. Yeah, but um, like yeah, it was the same thing with Mank when that came out. Everyone was like, "Is it really that good? What about this? What about this?" And then we got to Wonder Woman eighty four, where like literally it gets put on HBO Max, and everyone just immediately goes like, "Ah!" And I'm like, "I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this." Hey, anymore. I have this is, uh, this uh, what uh, movies are now. My mom has a friend who has a daughter who was an extra in that movie. Really? Oh, yeah. shoot. What scene? Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I only saw one screenshot, like one still of her in the background. And they're like... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I will say I'm pretty sure if it's the daughter who I remember, I sh- I shared shaved ice with her on the boardwalk. So, you know. That's your that's, in. That's my in. Between yeah. you and this and this girl who I've met once and shaved, and shared shaved ice with her, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, you're basically already a Hollywood elite. I mean, I have a like, podcast, so. Yeah. Exactly. And a YouTube channel. And a YouTube channel. And you also I don't have even have a things. YouTube channel. You don't? What about the- Well, I don't have a YouTube channel. You have a podcast, don't you? Yes, I do Should have a do podcast. Do we do all of our plugs right now? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can cut me off whenever you want because I can talk for forever. All right. But, um, well, yeah, we'll I guess I can really plugs. quick. Okay. So, um, well, like I said, if you want to see a sample of my work, you can go to Hold Space Theater Collective on YouTube uh, and watch the Soul Scouts. Uh, there are also a couple of those, uh, a couple of the performances I'm also in as a performer, which was very fun. Um, in particular, uh, The Frogs and uh, Mary Wives of Windsor. One of these days, I'm going to be in one of your productions. And that I'll let be, you know when we do another one. I'll send you be, an email. That will be my, that'll be my in in Hollywood. Hell yeah. Um, I also have a podcast called The Disney Desk where you can and you can find that on Spotify. You can find that on I think Google Play. I don't know. It's on a lot of things. Um, What's your host? That, are you on Podbean? Um, no, we are on Anchor as our main host. Anchor. So it is, and from there it is on Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor. Um, uh, that is me and my best friend Sydney, or well, one of my best friends. I don't need to break any hearts on here. 
Um, this is that's the friend, theme of the show, heartburn. Yeah, but that's a different kind of so heartburn. That's everyone more of like in the betrayal. group chat listening to this, you are you oh, are not it. part of the best friend. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not. Kidding. But um, not, yes, me and my kidding. friend, oh, me and my friend Sydney, we go through different topics related to Disney. Um, we are still working on a project we want to do with that, where we go through what we feel like are some overlooked Disney films and really dig into them. Um, for example, we're doing an episode on The Princess and the Frog and how that is uh, quietly one of the best films Disney's done in the 2000s and how it sort of modernized the princess formula before Frozen did. Um, you can soon find me with now with Milk Productions, on, uh, and you can check out my episode on Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. And, um, yeah, those are my main things. Uh, you can find me at the New York Renaissance Fair, ideally, at some point. Yes, everyone, we're going. We're having a Harpern Media uh, field trip, and we will all oh God, be nice. go. Get a full crowd. Yeah, everyone who's a fan of the show, so all seven of you, we'll all go together. We'll take my mom's minivan, and we'll go to the Renaissance Fair. Yes, please. I could probably fit uh, all of my listeners in a minivan. So, well, I don't know. We could really pack those things in. I, yeah, we I have definitely really violate some listeners. seating rules. So, yeah, my listeners are you all know. toddlers. I mean, it's basically you know a minivan is basically a clown car. You know, you get in there and then you realize too late that there's already twenty people yeah. in there. And you're like, how did I get in the way back? How am I gonna yeah, get out like, of the way wait, back? How does physics work? Yeah. Why are physics breaking down in here? <laughs> Why are there no laws in here of any kind? <laughs> I, yeah, Jesus Christmas. Like, we've already committed every human crime. And then you're halfway Ow. there, and you're like, is it is, is that a movie on right now? Where do these yeah, headphones who, come from? Yeah. Why, why Why did they put DVD players in cars? Who needed this? Yeah, well, actually, I will say, I work at a car dealership, but I'm not going to plug anything, because no one pays me. But we actually, I was, the, the new oh, thing. Oh, yeah, you do. I do. I work at a car dealership. And the new vans have reclining chairs with a like a footrest you can recline a chair and you can you you can cast to the dvd player i was screen sharing at work just to try it out i I wasn't watching x-men at work but i was watching x-men at work and i was screen sharing from my phone they don't even make them with dvd players anymore that's so weird i know technology is advancing too fast for me yeah i don't I haven't been in a car. I literally haven't been in a car since when was tax season? April. Or no, didn't it get moved because of the pandemic? When was the last time we had to have May? taxes done by July? I don't know. I'm probably going to May jail. or July. I don't know. I'm going to jail. I don't know. What? So um, uh, those are your productions and your uh, affiliations. Yes. Um. um it's a little eclectic, but it's my life. That's your life, baby. We're in it. Um, Hell yeah. Should I shamelessly plug now? I guess I can. Um, on YouTube, C&D Save the World. That is me and Calum Devaney. Calum Devaney also has a podcast called Cast Pod. And um, crap, I should know more about this. But they just today got on a, some radio thing. I need to look this up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Calum. Uh, Calum and Kevin, Ke- Kevin do Castbot Conservation, which you will be able to hear on uh, Critter Facts. 
Critter Facts. I think it's a website. You will be able to hear episodes. Oh yeah, of their yeah. Show. He was talking about that. Right. You'll be able to hear episodes of their show, Cast by Conservation, which talks about exactly that, cast pods, and also conservation. Um, and Dilex Four is Dan, and he also is my editor. He's going to edit this for us. Um, and he's a streamer on Twitch at Dilex Four. So check him out. And Ballyake is Kevin. And Callum rebranded. What is Callum now? Oh, I don't even Calamander, Calamander, I think. Calamander. Yeah, I, I can't keep track of I don't know. Check them all out on Twitch. I'll, I'll, I, yeah. Social media, Twitter, HeartburnCast, Instagram, HeartburnPodcast. I'll have links to all things there. Yeah, sounds good. It. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> covered everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. This has been very intriguing. I'm glad we. I'm glad you took this journey with me. Oh, it was. I'm glad we the public begun, demanded begun it. this. It's true. This was oh, yeah. this was uh, heavily re- uh, uh, recommended, demanded, anxiously anticipated in the group chats. I mean, I guess like I don't know if it's just they wanted to hear me vent about my girlfriend problems, I'm or sure, if it was. Like, I think they wanted they you to come on. They knew I could film a podcast episode. I think they wanted you to come on so this could be like your outlet, your release valve. So that way you when like you don't need to bring it up in the chat anymore. Like none of this well, has, only, to, has to enter their world anymore. Well, that's only going to embolden me. So they're just damn wrong. No, it's going to backfire completely. But I, I hope this oh, lived yeah. up to their standards. Uh, oh yeah, and the I hope so. Public, I hope this is. Uh, yeah, there will be more because I feel like we only scratch the surface of of your world. Oh and yeah, so I there, mean, we'll God, there will be future episodes. Like I said, I could talk for another fifteen hours. So you pick another day, and I'll. Should we, like, just, should we just knock them all out right now? I'll like I'll end this one and then we'll just put we'll just make we'll make twelve more episodes real quick. Oh, I mean I already yeah hell yeah I already have a list like I'll do a whole episode about chain restaurants and why they're oh, interesting. Oh, we didn't even do uh, that. Virtual concepts. We um, literally I we I literally texted you and I was like hey what are some talking points you want to hit? And I'm pretty sure the only specific thing with chain restaurants, and we didn't even talk about it. No, no, I had a whole list. It just wouldn't send. That's the only one that sent. Yeah, um, I did. Get no, that I one. just wanted to. Mostly, I just wanted to complain about this new trend on like DoorDash and Uber Eats of chain restaurants hiding the fact that they're chain restaurants by making sister locations. Like, um, like, like, give an example without, I guess, naming names. Okay, we'll get sued. Yeah, I mean. We per- I feel like this is too juicy to say for the end of the episode, but I'll throw it out for you. I'll give I'll give the audience something to think about as yeah, they leave. Something to come back for. You know, makes you think. So I noticed all of these locations that I never knew what they're act like. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this place before. And then I would look up their address, and I would realize that it's just the location of like a more standard chain restaurant. And what I discovered is during the pandemic, a lot of these companies – like the the sort of parent companies they of all these chain to, restaurants are experimenting front as mom and pop shops kind of that's kind like they're that like oh illegal. these are virtual it really feels like it should should that's worse like their shooter. argument their argument is that they're like oh well we're we're they're just using our kitchens to you know specialize in specific things and I'm like yeah but you also own that like it's not like you're renting out the space you own this yeah. so it started with it's just wings which is you can get curly fries, buffalo wings, and fried Oreos. Those are their only things. Basically, and just I looked. Wings. At, yeah, basic. Yeah, I mean, well, can't say they don't have a good name. Um, and I discovered when I looked at the address that it's just a Chili's. <laughs> and then I went down this rabbit don't hole. Don't shame Chili's, though. I love Chili's. 
I do love Chili's. Chili's is one of my favorite chain They're restaurants. They're on my list. Yeah. That and Red Robin are the two places I've fully committed to spending $100 at in one sitting whenever this pandemic ends will, or when I, I get vaccinated. I will be there. Yeah. I fully intend to vomit. Um, Conviction Chicken is another one. It is like a chicken place that is actually a TGI Fridays. So funny. Um, Burger Den is just Denny's but all burgers. Um, wow. And then you have stuff like Mr. Beast's Burgers, which is just they take a bunch of Buca de Beppo's and like hey, make the burgers there. Don't you disrespect hey, about Buca de Beppo. I've never been to one. You, we gotta go. I didn't think it was a real place for the longest time. We got to go. I was like, that can't be the name of a real place. I bring it up for years. We got to go. But yeah, this is something that's become an obsession of mine, like finding these places and just being like, you frauds. <laughs> you oh, Tender Shack is Outback, but Tenders. I feel like we were like dropping literally... just way too many names. I mean, this is going to have to be a conspiracy theory episode. It is. Like, this is. This, we is, will have this the... goes all the way to the top. We will have the conspiracy theory breakdown of this in a future yes. episode. We have to. I will have to do a more in depth. Like I'll have charts and accurate. Yeah, I will. I, this time next week, we will be we will be knee deep into the chain restaurant conspiracy. Yes, that yeah, that's definitely like. Does Shane Dawson I, still do conspiracy theory videos? God, I don't know. I don't know. I, we have to beat him to this if he does. The one with a cat or something. I don't even know. I can't he, keep track of this. You know, I never knew who he was. I only really watched him for his conspiracy theory episodes. And then people were like, oh, yeah, he's like this guy. And I'm like, no, he just does conspiracy theories. Like the Chuck E. Cheese one, which I've talked about in previous episodes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the that's what – like because Chuck E. Cheese does this too. Yeah? I wouldn't mind getting a Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I, I, know, the, I know the theories, but I miss it. Um, God, I haven't been – I used to go to Chuck E. Cheese's all the time. I miss. I just miss stuff. I just, yeah, I just miss places. Yeah, I just miss. I just miss like neutral locations. I, yeah, just like a location that isn't a basement or yeah. a bedroom or exactly. a bathroom exactly. or. I don't know why. I don't know <sighs> why. Uh, Callum keeps inviting us all to his bathroom. That's weird, but yeah, yeah, it's just such a. It's just such a small space. I don't know if you know. I don't. And the worst part, I don't know why I keep showing up. No one else does. It's just me and him in his bathroom. It's really weird. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. I wasn't gonna say anything, but if you were gonna bring it up first, and I yeah, mean, I know. I, yeah, I, I I I don't know if his bathroom weird. light has a dimmer, but I feel like it's darker each time I go. Yeah, I. Look, I mean, look, I know you like the guy, and, like, I don't yeah, want to make things I mean, awkward we in the friend circle, together, but... but uh, yeah, I don't know. At some point, you gotta say something. I don't know. If he's... Maybe this is it. If he if he's hearing this, this is it. Yeah. God, is this really the note we're going out on? This is the note we're going out on. That has been Harper in the podcast. You have been Carter Glaze. Thanks good for joining us. Friends. Thank you so much for having this me. This was so actually a really nice fun. And I like that you threw the actually in as if you thought it would not have been. Like, I don't oh, know. This was I might surprisingly have... enjoyable. I don't know. I was worried I was going to say something stupid or like fart too loudly. That's okay. Or, That's like... what Dan's for. I don't know. He'll True. Cut, he'll cut all that shit out. All right. Oh, well, uh, all right. I hope the I hope you have fun and I have fun and thank you I so did. much for coming on. And great we to will, have. We will talk great again. Great to be here. All right. Until next time.